Ladies and gentlemen, may I present for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure, Run Fast on Raw Dog Product Comedy Hits, Channel 99. Some people stopping by today. John Fuglesang is supposed to be here in just a little bit. Uh, John's got a new show here on SiriusXM. It's called Tell Me Everything uh, with John Fuglesang. Airs weekdays from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Insight, channel 121. And then the Duplass brothers, Mark and Jay Duplass, Togetherness is their new TV show, their cringy, uncomfortable TV show uh, that's going to be on the HBO, uh, 9.30 on Sundays. And the reason why is everything good comes on 9.30 on Sundays. Sunday's the day. Sunday is... They ought to change the name from Sunday to TV. It's the only place programmers want to put anything. That's where the primo shit goes. Now... I remember when Thursday was the big night. Must see TV. Uh, and then, weirdly, I think at one time in the late 70s, it was Saturday nights when you would have Bob Newhart and Carol Burnett, and then I think they ran the love boat against them, and there would be oh, wow. it'd be like a big battling night of uh, uh, everybody saying, oh, Saturday night, you're home. But now people turn off their TVs on Fridays and Saturdays. They don't turn off their phones, but they turn off their TVs. I guess Americans just party more. We just we just we're a party nation. We owe mommy a night out, and it's going to be Saturday. That's why we why the only night of the week. If you go to Saturday night movies, it's just so fucking packed. 
uh, because it's date night and then it's also teen, there's nowhere to go night. And I guess, I don't know what everyone else is doing on Monday and Tuesday. Homework? I don't know what everyone's doing. Maybe it's the one day's work at yeah, work at sleep. <laughs> you sleep early. Uh, a lot of award announcements today. Now the DGA awards. Sometimes this will be the thing that lets you know who's going to be nominated uh, for best picture uh, because this is best director. So if you if some of these names should come up as best picture, what do we got there, Chris? All right, Wes Anderson for the Grand Budapest Hotel. You know, I'm very very happy for Wes. This seems to be a year that everybody's loving him, and I thought they might turn on this uh, movie of his, which I was a fan of, but it's a little on the precious side, you know. For the people who goes, that could never happen. You know those folks? That doesn't look like a real mountain. It looks like a toy mountain. Well, guess what? It's Wes Anderson. Just suspend disbelief. It's too late, Chris. They've already done it. <laughs> they love this. So I'm very uh, happy. I don't know where this ranks on my favorite uh, Wes Andersons, though. I, I don't... <laughs> I liked it a lot. I thought Ray Fiennes was hysterical. He was great. He was so goddamn good in it. But I think as a whole, it wasn't one of my favorite Wes Andersons, but I, I love the movie, but it's not one of it's my favorite you're, Wes you're, you're putting him up against great movies. That's the problem. You know, that's what happens to Scorsese at this point, that you'll see something of his that you love, and you're like, well, this isn't a taxi driver. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is why bands break up, because they can't beat their original work. You can't keep it up. But in the case of Wes... I don't think he's ever been nominated as a director before. I know he's won for screenwriting, and I suspect he may again for this. All right, so we got Wes Anderson. Who else? Clint Eastwood for American Sniper. Clint's the same way, uh, where he's made so many great movies now that it's a gimme. You know, you expect like, a great movie. It's out for like of a Clint. long time now, over 20-some years, he's just been directing. He's mostly directing. Yeah, but if you look at it, it's really the latter part of his life. And it's a whole new career. Like, he used to direct some of his, you know, shoot 'em up movies, and no one ever gave him any credit for those, but they're all great. Yeah. But uh, these movies are completely different, and American Sniper, uh, a lot of heat on that film right now. All right. Uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu for Birdman. I'm going to have to rewatch Birdman because I did not love it as much as everyone else. I loved it. I mean, he's been nominated. Um, almost all of his films have been nominated. He's directed about four films. They, they always get nominated for Best Picture. We'll give picture. us all. All right. Uh, 20, 21 Grams. Mm. Uh, not a huge fan. All right. There. <laughs> it was a few too many grams for me. I could have ended at 17 Grams. And then, um, and then the... And then what, Chris? You're saying the. So you're shooting your mouth off. You don't even know his Babble. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about it. And then uh, Must Love Love Dogs, I believe, was... was Not at all. That was actually... Amores Peros. That was it. Oh, it's a different from the Must Love Dogs, the American one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I saw the the John Cusack one. Yeah, it's Every time I watch a John Cusack movie, I'm like, when's his sister turning up? I'm always waiting for that little fun moment. Come on, give us a wink. All right, so I didn't see that. All right, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch Birdman. Richard Linklater for Boyhood belongs there. I mean, it's crazy what he did. He's got to be the front runner to win. He took on the Globe. Yeah. Uh, Mort- and Mort- and finally Mortem Tildum for the Imitation Game. Sounds like this is fuck you, Selma. Oh yeah, totally. No no love for Selma. They had no time for it. No time for Selma.
that whole you know movie is a history lesson. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to watch it, but I get you know I get it. Martin Luther King's a great dude. I get it. I know that. <laughs> I'm taking off his birthday. I didn't watch Twelve Years a Slave yet either. Like I, I don't know if I'm going to watch Selma. It should have been Seven Years a Slave because the last five years was just the same stuff. Really? Like I, I missed it. That was the thing that turned me around for on slavery. Really? I, yeah, I didn't think it was any big deal until I saw that movie. <laughs> so maybe- and now I know it's a big deal. And the Imitation Game, Fezzi, mm-hmm. that's about a gay guy who. Um, uh, he beat, uh, he cracked the code with the Nazis, and some people think by doing that he helped the Allies win the war. First, it's like he invented the computer. Yeah, um, it's crazy. It's a crazy story. And then after uh, that, uh, he uh, got busted for being gay, and I think they um, they did something to his dick. I don't know. They didn't take kindly to the gayness. No, they hated the gayness back then. Yeah. No, unlike now where, you know, modern family, we all love the gays. Matter of fact, the easiest thing to do right now in America is to be gay. There's nothing easier. It makes it better for you, actually. To be gay in America now is what it used to be to be black and play the saxophone, where <laughs> everybody wants to be your friend, no matter what. I'd still rather be black and play the saxophone, but that's me. You would think if you were the man who defeated Hitler, it would have been easy for you to be gay then. Like, N- uh, free only, pass on the on the anti-gay laws. Not only that, I mean, like, they, they actually put him in jail and then, uh, I don't know, tried to get rid of... I don't know whether they chemically did it. I haven't seen the movie yet. It was chemical castration. <sighs> Hard, just horrible. He, he, he's, he's like basically the guy who created artificial intelligence, like the very first inkling of artificial He was Wait brilliant. Artificial intelligence, is that what you're calling every computer? <laughs> no, and, and computer science. Like he created. No, but that science. is an artificial intelligence. And that. Uh, and AI. Why do you keep saying, what, what was the AI that he invented? The, the machine that broke the code. I don't think that's artificial intelligence because that's just taking stuff out. And bringing it back, I think artificial intelligence means you're creating, that the machine itself creates on its own. I haven't seen this movie, but I think what he invented is like one of those lotto drums where the balls come out in the correct numbers. No, I don't oh, think you're right about that. I mean, I think you and Chris are off in different places. But don't you agree with me on the AI? An AI has to say, why am I here? What am I doing? Have I been programmed to even do the right thing? Uh, it's basically saying a computer has to become as stupid and as weird as a human. You know what I mean? Like, like for me, the artificial intelligence has to be an awareness and then decision making on its own. I don't see, like, let's say, a calculator as having artificial intelligence. And it's because you tell it what to do, and he was telling the thing what to do. I've what? read. I've read that he. he uh, but so- how? That's what I'm asking you. Like, do you were saying that we already have artificial intelligence on the planet, and I thought that was something that was coming our way. I thought that's when the machines take over. Okay, so he he creates something called the theory of computation that suggested that a machine could simulate any conceivable act of math by with math. So I guess he had a theory of how AI could become come to. I think that you're trying to shoehorn this AI thing and you're reading a piece of Wikipedia back at me. You know what? You're the fucking artificial intelligence because you're faking it. I'm ready to learn, you prick. 
basically he's saying through mathematics. <laughs> yeah, math. Ma- you know, you guys know that, right? Math, you know, science, mathematics. Math. That physics exists. <laughs> the language of science. He proved that physics existed in a non-physical world, artificially. Zeros, ones, math. Um, here's a. Uh, let me. Jesus Christ! I don't know who sets this up these days, but they're nuts. Charlie, you're on the Run of Fez show. Ronnie B, uh, the director of the Halls wasn't nominated. That's a travesty. The Halls turned out to be, you know, I hate to say, a giant disappointment to all, but it, but it was. Shelby, well, I don't want to tell you how way. to do your business, but somebody's got to get on them phones, brother. Um, the Halls. Boy, we wanted so much out of it. Yeah. And we had the funny guy and the pretty girl and the stars walking around. And for some reason, we did not instill enough artificial intelligence into our directors. No. I was taken off the directing after the first two episodes. Well, you were three. terrible. And then you were, the next director was also terrible. And you can't make a success out of two terrible <laughs> Uh, directors. All right, Jeff is going to teach us what Chris tried to steal from the headlines. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, Jeff, uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, me? Yeah. Hey. Yeah, uh, Alan Turing was uh, uh, part of creating the first computer. That's correct. Uh, his connection with artificial intelligence was that he came up with some of the theories as to how you could have machine intelligence. Right, and so this is after the fact. Yeah, and today okay. we've got, uh, and he created what's called the Turing test for artificial intelligence, which is what he basically said, you, you won't have a computer you can call intelligent until somebody can be communicating with it and not know whether there is a real person on the other side of it or not. That is, they can have a conversation with it, and basically it can talk, Give, give the absolute impression of human That's my phone that I call her. Remember in Blade Runner? Why do I call it she? I can't remember that movie now. And Blade Runner what? Remember, I remember in Blade Runner, they would give the test to see if they were a uh, they were a replicant. Yeah. They called the Turing test. It's all coming together. You're having a lot of fun facts, but you tried to shoehorn it in with this movie. That's where you <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, yeah. That, I, so I, I get that Ultimately. he's come up with some theories. I got a fucking theory or two myself. Fuck those machines. Let's unplug them and stab them in the back. Um, here is Lorenzo. You're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Turing, Turing uh, also said, and I may be wrong, it might be the other uh, father of uh, artificial intelligence, that they're going to get so smart, these computer programs, that they're going to figure out that humans are obsoleting their, ver- their current version, that they're going to hide the deficiencies inside the program. To like hide it from people, so we're thinking like, "Hey, this Windows XP is perfect. We don't have to change it." But meanwhile, the problems are still there. But they're going to hide it from us, so we don't even know what the fuck's going wrong with it. That's how smart they're going to become. So basically, they're going to be what I would call producers, where they fuck something up <laughs> and work harder <laughs> on no. telling you that. Chris, I'm not talking about you, uh, and then work harder on the cover up than they do on the problem solving. Um, here's uh, Jimmy in Jersey. You're on the Run of Fest show. 
Hey, guys. I saw uh, Inherent Vice last night, and I thought it was hilarious. I wanted to see if you guys saw it yet. I was a big fan of it, Chris. You were not so much of one? Uh, I I liked it. I didn't love it. I thought it was funny, though. I have to watch it again. When I watched it, I was kind of distracted. So, um, I- Yeah, you got to watch it like it's a movie. Not like it's something that you just have on while you're doing other shit. By that, I mean rolling those J's. <laughs> I am going to watch it again, though. Yeah, well, I'll tell you this. You're really good at rolling joints. Thank you. I'm really good, actually. I saw him roll one in the rain, left-handed, and then he was on the back of a motorcycle going 60 miles an hour. Like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I had to throw that bet. It was, all com- <laughs> it was all compliments for the longest time. Really really felt good about myself there for about 20 seconds. We have an unmasked to uh, announce. A big unmasked. And this one, are we doing at a nightclub? Are we doing here at the SiriusXM studios? At the SiriusXM studios in the fishbowl. That's very intimate. Oh, yeah. And this is a big TV star. A giant TV star uh, from the television show uh, The Office. Who will be Ron Beddington's next guest on Unmasked? Let's find out. Uh, For, I think, 72 years, he was part of The Office on the NBC channel. Uh, Also... In some of our favorite movies like Galaxy Quest, Almost Famous, uh, movies like Juno, The Rocker, Super, uh, new TV show called Backstrom, which he'll be starring in, uh, the one and only Rain Wilson, Rain Wilson, and this is happening Wednesday. January 21st, 1 p.m. at the SiriusXM studios. So this is how it works out, folks. You come in here, and we're going to do this in this really small room. And you have the opportunity to be here for Unmasked with a big star like this. And everybody's having fun, and we're doing stuff. And it's it's really a great experience to uh, come in for uh, Unmasked, particularly... Like if you want to bring a wife or a girlfriend and impress her, because in a lot of ways it's like going to a little cocktail party that Rain Wilson is at. You don't normally get to hang out in a small room like this with a big star and then hear their whole backstory and stuff. It's always a lot of fun. So that's January 21st, 1 p.m. at the SiriusXM Studios. It's one you do not want to miss. Rain Wilson, Rain Wilson, uh, will be here in his new uh, big TV show. It's called Backstrom. Backstrom. I've seen the trail. I do want to see Backstrom. I like Rain Wilson a lot. I've got the first three episodes, I believe. So when I'm done with it, Chris, I'm going to then destroy it, as they've asked me to do. I can't just watch it a little bit. Are you interviewing him? No. Then no, you don't need to see this. It's your kind of show, it looks like, because the guy is... You know, a fucking mess. He eats too much. He drinks too much. He smokes too much. But then he's good at solving crimes. I like that. So he has yeah. that one redeemable <laughs> yeah. characteristic. I mean, the show could be called Stanley. Because <laughs> you know how you're good at solving crimes. I love it. Love yeah. capturing criminals. Uh, so go over to theinterrobang.com for Unmasked with Rain Wilson. Uh, do you know what song you're bringing him into yet? 
Not yet, no. I got one for you. What is it? Rain says. <laughs> None with Sergio. I'm going to put that together. Next See week. if you can get Jane's addiction to recut that. Okay. Tell them there'll be a little sawbuck in it for them if they like. I'm going to get Perry on the phone after the show. Yeah. Perry Noid? No, Perry Farrell. Perry Farrell, bigger than life, isn't he? Love him. Real rock Love star. That crazy Real bastard. fucking rock star. <laughs> Rain Wilson, Wednesday, January 21st at the SiriusXM studios. We are waiting for uh, John Fugelstang to stop by. His new show is Tell Me Everything with John Fugelstang. Airs weekdays, 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Insight. SiriusXM Insight Channel 121. They give you the insight that you need to find out what's... I don't know. I was almost there. I really felt good about it. I feel the insight. Before John gets here, I know the Razzie Awards are out. Yeah. And here's my prediction. My prediction is I haven't seen any of the Razzie Award films. I'll usually see one or two of them, but by chance, because you don't know what, what's going right, to be. Right, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, where, at, where are we on the Razzies? Okay. Worst picture. Okay. Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. No, but it sounds fantastic. <laughs> you said two things that I love. Kurt Cameron. He's the best, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, then Left Behind. You know what? There's a part of me that wants to watch that because it looks so bad. Yeah. And it's like... Um, uh, where the good people get sucked up off the planet. Yeah. What do they call that in the Bible, Fez? The rapture. Um, the great flood. So what happens is uh, God sends a great flood down, floods the people back up into heaven, and you turn around and they're all gone. But I think they leave their pants behind. Pants and shoes. Okay, pants and shoes. They will be wearing a shirt and socks. Weird. Yeah. Well, it's the Bible for you. It's different. Heaven's weird. I don't know. All right, it's Left Behind. And I believe that heaven is a place on Earth. That's it, because Left Behind was a previous Kirk Cameron movie. You know wow. movies, dude. You, you know, know your fucking movies. Um, uh, Haas would like to come in. Why don't you... Uh, he said that I told him that he could come in before, and he's emailed Chris, and obviously... Nothing happened from that. So why don't you see if he'd like to stop in on the day that we do the uh, Rain Wilson. All right. Two birds, one stones. Um, there you have it. I know Fez and Hans have been good friends for a long time. All right, what are some of the other bad movies? The Legend of Hercules with The Rock. Hard to believe that was one of the bad ones. <laughs> thought that was going to be big. I love The Rock. Teenage, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with all the CGI turtles. So far, I haven't seen any of them. And then finally, Transformers Age of Extinction. I haven't seen. I saw it. I saw a bad boot of it. All right, give us some of the bad movies, uh, bad uh, movie actors and right. actresses. Nick Cage from Left Behind. That's going to be, I don't know if that can be beat. Kirk Cameron from Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas. I hope it works out for him. Kellen Lutz from The Legend of Hercules. Seth MacFarlane from A Million uh, Ways to Die in the West. I didn't see that either. No. I wanted to see it, and then everyone told me not to see it. And then Adam Sandler blended. Adam Sandler's there every year. Am I right about that? Absolutely every year. If he has a movie out, he's getting a Razzie. The year Jack and Jill came out, he got two nominations. 
actor and actress. You are the fact king, my friend. It's a fact. You, you know what? We're looking at AI right here. He's got the fucking information. And he spits right back, and it's always perfect. Fez Watley, head of the class today. I'm just, I'm just a moron talking. Am about I, I? I hope I'm not jumping to conclusions. That yeah. I'm saying Fez is back. That's, the, that's not jumping to conclusion. That yeah. is a conclusion. It's Fez is back. Worst actresses are Drew Barrymore for Blended, Cameron Diaz and the other woman, and Sex Tape. Melissa McCarthy for Tammy, Charlize Theron for A Million Ways to Die in the West, and Gaia Weiss for The Legend of Hercules. It's the I, I, only thing I've seen is Transformers: Age of Extinction so far. And the other woman didn't look very good. I saw Tammy, and it didn't seem like there was really a plot at all. It was crazy. I, like they, her mom, di- somebody dies, and then it's just her on a road trip. You know, you never know like where they're going, what they're doing. It's just one weird situation after another. All right, so this if we ever start doing a thing called baby movie reviews, you know, we have like a little baby cartoon, and we'll just run that. I like it. Yeah. Uh, worst director, Michael Bay for Transformers: Age of Extinction, Darren Doan for Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas, Rennie Harlan for Legend of Hercules, Jonathan Liebesman for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and finally Seth MacFarlane for A Million Days to Die in the West. Those are all the big nominations for the Razzies this year. You know, you would think that with all the small TV stations out there, all the little networks. Somebody would pick up the Razzies. Yeah, it, it makes sense. You could sense. just put mean comics on there, and it's almost like a roast. Throw it on Netflix. Just that they could just they could just record it, and then bam, throw it on Netflix. Here's your Razzies for 2015. You're always out there with the new platforms, man. It's so cool. Look, there's the Golden Corral commercial that we're always talking. Look how good mm. their bread looks. Mmm, yeast rolls. It takes six home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why Be- aren't we there right now? Uh, that's in case you want to hurt other people in your family. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this corral. It's golden. Mm. Nothing I love more. Uh, so Rain Wilson will be the next Unmasked January 21st, 1 p.m. at the Sirius XM Studios. Uh, the pride of the office, Rain Wilson. Love him. After Creed, he was my favorite character all time in that show. Don't say to him after Creed. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's no one who ever wants to hear. You're my second favorite. Right. Main cast that was in every episode. Dwight was the best. I said to Paul McCartney, "You were my third favorite Beatle." Jesus, who was the last? Ringo. Oh. <laughs> but maybe George. Would Although I like that. no, George is unfucking believable. No, you don't know, Chris. You wouldn't have said it that way. You wouldn't have said, oh, I thought he was the worst, and then laugh to yourself as if you're fucking in a story, a hipster thing, puts you above everybody else. I'm ahead I'm a of the curve hipster in a story. Those people didn't even know about it. You were bone there. You were bone a hipster. That's right. The mean streets of Story Queens. I was born a hipster, baby. I forgot even Left Behind came out this year, but I love a good Nick Cage. It's on here. demand. I just I say to myself I want to watch this. It looks so terrible. It might be fun to watch, but I I, I haven't worked up the courage to it. I think Nick Cage has the best bad films. I have like a big actor to because not only are they bad, but they are actually entertaining to watch. He's great. That's he, why. Yeah, Nick Cage is awesome. People act like oh, Nick Cage is a bad actor. He is not a bad actor. 
He does a lot of bad films, but he's fucking great. I don't know who I love more. When he came in, I was I was just like transfixed, just staring at him. It was it was awesome. His neck caginess. Oh yeah, the caginess. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, John Fugel saying our buddy is going to be stopping in his new show. Tell me everything with John Fugel saying uh, airs weekdays from two to five on Sirius XM. Insight uh, Channel One Twenty One. He's going to be performing stand up for the Charlie Benefit at the New York City Ethical Culture Center on Thursday, uh, Char- uh, January twenty second. That is for Charlie Hebdo. Is that the name of it? Uh, stand up for Charlie. dot com. Let's uh, bring in John Fugelsang. <laughs> John Fugel saying airs weekdays from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Insight Channel 121 and you've started and you're here and I remember the last time you came in here you were like on the down low I might be getting a gig here yeah I couldn't talk about it yet but uh, you know you're here now this is something that you've wanted to do for a while to, to do the daily, right? Yeah, they they uh, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And uh-huh. For a long time, I've 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 had a couple of radio offers in the past that were crap, and I, I've always loved it here. And I've guest hosted a lot of shows here, and uh, and then when I heard about Insight, it really turned me on. It sounded like you know I I, I described it. We, we can't swear here. That would be yes, a poor taste. Well, I, I describe it as NPR with dick jokes, um, mainly to see how long my new bosses will tolerate that. But uh, they wanted something smart and irreverent, and and silly and so uh, I pitched him a show that they came to me and I said well I want to do a show that combines news and politics with arts and culture and entertainment and mm-hmm. and with comics and so uh, our first week of guests has been like everybody from Rosie O'Donnell to Joy Behar to Rob Reiner uh, Congressman Alan Grayson tons of great comedians and uh, it's been really fun trying to like mix I got tea party people coming in as well as uh, but you're looking for comics who follow what's happening in the news that's yeah that's kind yeah. of what I go for which is a bit of a narrow slice but i'll take anybody i had a guy from vegas who was named the world's best elton john impersonator on and i wanted to hear him so who were the other guys that didn't win that would be the guys that i i want to book for this show the guys who just didn't place yes the guys who were unconvincing at being a 65 year old british gay troll and uh uh you know we've had but i've had like judy gold on and you know a lot of yeah. really really funny people and we're mixing journalists congress people artists and actors uh models and uh and goofballs well you're going to be setting yourself up for the presidential elections which is always i mean for it's me now be beautiful yeah it's it's almost like espn you know is the way totally. we've gotten with politics it's the game is much 
uh, more fun to people than what actually happens once somebody is elected. You well, know? it's another reason why I was happy to take a job here and and come join this family in this channel because uh, I, I get that. You know, I like that that uh, the sports talk element to it, mm-hmm. and and it's something I like about about your show because uh, I've always said for a long time, why can't political talk be more like sports talk? Because at least in sports talk, you can see guys who passionately disagree about things, but they still get along. It's right. warm. It's not the puppet on the left and the puppet on the right hating each other because they've been taught to. So I like that whole horse race aspect of it. As a comedian, I'm in love. It's going to be hilarious. The GOP field is hilarious. The Democratic field, such as it is so far, will be pretty funny. Um, some of my liberal friends say Mrs. Clinton is the best Republican running. But um, yeah. I, I think that, you know, what I was excited about was a chance to go to a place where I can make as much fun of it as I want, but still go as deep into all the issues as I want. Right. Like, I'm having Tea Party folks coming on to debate mainstream Republicans. I think that's more interesting. I'm trying to get liberals to come debate Democrats and really, really go beyond the two-party talking points. Well, you're completely right about that, is that the Democrats are not far enough for progressive liberal people. And the Republicans are not far enough for uh, Tea Party people. So you have these fights every year, uh, every four years, and then you find out your guy gets in and can't really do anything anyway. You know, that's the thing that's amazing, that we get so much excitement leading up to the election, and then everyone goes away and is disappointed. Yeah. You know, it's matter of fact, you're better off if you want to keep that passion is if your guy loses the election, then you can sit around and bitch for the next four years and feel righteous. It's really true. I, I would say that President Bush got most of what he wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. I would give, you know, I would say that he had a very compliant Democratic Congress. And except for privatizing Social Security, uh, mm-hmm. there was very little he wasn't given. Well, but, the the attack on New York helped him. Don't you I think? think it helped him a lot. Yeah. 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 It was pretty hard to say no. Uh, you know, I thought real conservatives would have kicked that guy to the curb in 2004. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, after that attack, I mean, but, you know, for me, after the after the Abu Ghraib pictures came out from Iraq, which right. had never attacked us. And I'm like, well, you're going to reelect him after that. All right. And it really wasn't until, you know, 2006 that he began uh, meeting opposition from Democrats. Yeah. And what about Barack Obama? How do you think he's pulled it off? You know, it's like I, I, I we've never seen a president have this kind of obstruction. Whatever you think about Obama, the fact is the night he was sworn in in 2009, the GOP leadership all met at a restaurant in D.C. to have an all you can obstruct dinner and lay out their plot to filibuster everything. And no president's been filibustered more than him in history. Before him, Clinton was the record holder. And uh, no president's had these kind of nominees blocked when people are getting upset now that he's having judicial, I mean, uh, executive orders, uh, they're certainly not on the level that George Bush had. And I'm like, well, the people elected him to do stuff. And he ran on, you know, and he capitulated on everything. I mean, this uh, liberals are over Obama because they're like, oh, he caved in the public option. He caved on Gitmo. He's caved so many times. There are minors trapped inside of him. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, he... it's it's tough. I know people who are rooting for him who don't like him anymore, but they want him to salvage something in the next two years. And he has accomplished quite a bit. You know, it's well, not what he promised to accomplish. You know, the other thing for him, too, is and you'd have to look at these uh, congressmen and um, senators and uh, that are Republican. If they don't go along because Fox News is going to fight it every day. Exactly. And if they don't <clears throat> go along with that, they lose their place. And they get tea partied out. Exactly right. And this hurts the Republican Party, too, because you can't win the White House without getting 70 percent 
of the Latino vote. But if you're in South Carolina, you don't really care about immigration reform. That's not yeah. going to help you get reelected. And if you stand for immigration reform so your party can help win the White House, you're going to get primaried by the Tea Party in your district. So, you know, Latinos and immigration is really, I think, ground zero for the civil war within the GOP on that. And it's making it difficult for a lot of people uh, on a comedy level i'm rooting for ted cruz um yeah. ted cruz is the abraham lincoln of sarah palin's and uh if he's president i'll be able to buy a boat in about six months i yeah. think it'd be just a gift for comedians i think huckabee is amazing too the thing that he said today about uh he really wishes obama would not let the kid his daughters listen to beyonce because it's taking them you're like you gotta have you know, you got to have some of that. That's why the primaries are so great. Well, and they're great for a guy like Huckabee, because I think Huckabee and I, I've, I've met him. I've interviewed him. Uh, he sat down for this PBS film I did last year, and I, I think he is the best public speaker in the entire party. Uh, he got his start as a televangelist, so he's very good at lying uh -huh. to people and making them feel good about it. Um, but he's a dynamite speaker, and he just he can't control the wacky stuff that comes out of his mouth. He came out yesterday and, and accused Jay-Z of pimping Beyonce, yeah, which is going to really hurt him with uh, primary voters in the GOP who love rap music. And there but are some. There, there are, are some. A couple there of them. are some. But you know, it's like I, I yeah. thought it was more sexist than anything taking the biggest female star in the world and suggesting she has no agency because her right. husband controls her. Uh, you know, Huckabee's not going to be president. He, he, he. I, I'd say he could have beaten Obama. He was the one Republican who could have beaten Obama in 2008. Not sure if he, if, if it, if he would have, but it was possible because he's such a good campaigner. But he said so many whack things in the past few years. He's got a lot of skeletons. And uh, I, I look forward to him being one of the guys who keeps me awake in the 7,000 GOP debates we'll be watching next year. What about Chris Christie, the governor of New Jersey and biggest Cowboys fan? Well, I'm going to take that as a crude fat joke that you called him the biggest Cowboys <laughs> fan, because I reject Chris Christie size jokes. That is not nothing progressive about size shaming. Uh, the Tea Party doesn't like Chris Christie, mainly because he worked with Barack Obama to help the hurricane-ravaged citizens yeah. of his state. I, I thought that was wasn't big government. That was good government. That's what we want to see these guys do. I give the Barack Obama Chris Christie alliance a ten, and not just because they resembled that number when standing <laughs> side by side. Um, Christie's cleared Bridgegate. You know, yeah. I, I was saying for a long time these liberals were looking for a Watergate, but it wasn't going to stick. Um, and it was, uh, although I would like to see the Chris Christie roast because everybody will be under oath. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's going to run. He's he's going to be kind of like Al Sharpton was for the Democrats in two thousand four. He'll be the most entertaining guy on that debate stage every week but he's he, he could pull it off as a dark horse and so could scott walker if he decides to run because you're going to see this you know mitt romney rick perry rand paul um uh, hating each other i mean these guys hate each other so much they could all sing lead for the eagles together <laughs> and so i i kind of think that if they burn each other out you could see the dark horse come through that field and it could be christie it could be walker walker because he'll raise a lot of money christie because he just is truly charismatic um i don't know if he can get past the tea party in the primary season what about mitt He's got the fundraising. Mm -hmm. He's um, the same age as Hillary Clinton, so they can't mm -hmm. use her age against her if he runs. Uh, he's a great public speaker. People know him. But the GOP is going to throw a lot of been there, done that. You're going for this the third time. Yeah. I believe Ronald Reagan ran three times before he won. Yeah. But, um, but that was also, you know, through the 60s and 70s where you could. Where you could do where, it. Where like Mitt's father ran twice. Yeah. It wasn't a 24-hour-a-day grind-up news thing. Like, the, the thing is, from a news point of view, do, do they want to repeat 
the Mitt Romney story. You know, I so wonder if he because I got a box of Mitt Romney jokes in my <laughs> attic that's been rustling on its own. I love his wife Ann Romney. She's a great stay-at-five homes mom. And uh, who wouldn't want a Republican nominee who changes positions like a yoga teacher on tainted meth? Yeah. I mean, Romney's like the human equivalent of a hollowed-out guy outside a car dealership, inflating and waving the breeze. So uh, I, I think he'd be fun. And as soon as Paul Ryan said he wasn't running after the American people decided that for him, uh, I, I I thought it was a pretty sure sign. I think Romney's great for comedy. That's that's what I'm in it for. And you don't think uh, any way he could win now? You think that's oh too- he could win? I think I, Romney I hear- Romney could beat Mrs. Clinton. Um, maybe Huckabee if we're if we completely go insane as a nation. Um, I, I think Romney might be the safest bet. I don't see the Tea Party embracing Rand Paul as hard as he's trying. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't because see- he's not his dad. You know not, I mean? Well, they wouldn't embrace his dad either. Yeah. You know, his dad got booed every time he said anything moral at the debates in 2012. Uh, I just heard this name pop up, though, last night. Pataki. That Pataki is... Uh, was it Pataki who floated that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pataki floats his name every four years. <laughs> you know, the time for him to run was 2004, and he didn't do it. Yeah. Um, and I don't, you know... I'll give him credit for cutting taxes for the folks upstate in Peekskill and balancing that by raising the, uh, by cutting the MTA budget and having the first of a series of, uh, fare hikes here in New York. If you like high subway fares, you can thank Governor Pataki. Um, you know, he, he's, uh, seems like a nice enough guy and one of his, uh, aides, Tommy Doherty, is going to be a, a regular on my show. Um, uh, maybe he could outbland other people, but I, I don't really, I don't really think he's the guy the Tea Party's going to rally behind. So, he's not, he's not right wing enough and he's yeah. not charismatic enough. And Jeb? Well, do you love that in 2016, we're looking at the 240th anniversary of a revolutionary war with England to get away from inherited power. And we're going to have a presidential contest between George Bush's brother, Ron Paul's son, and Bill Clinton's wife. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, it's crazy. It's it's the founding fathers would never stop throwing up. Jeb's not going to get it. Jeb hasn't run for office in many years. Jeb is running for higher public speaking fees. He's running to uh, salvage the Bush family brand. And I think he's going to run a very clean, dignified campaign, leave the American people with a good taste of Bush in their mouth, and then mm. exit gracefully when he uh, can't rack it up in the primaries. Wow, I, I'm surprised to hear you say that. Cause I, I, yeah, I mean, this is the this is the first time in in my lifetime it's been this hard to predict who's going to get the GOP nomination because yeah. every candidate has a lot of strengths and every candidate has a lot of baggage and it all comes down to who can tell the Tea Party what they want to hear in the primary season the most. But we saw what happened with Mitt Romney and Bob Dole. They go so far to the right. Right. I was the guy who caused the Etch a Sketch kerfuffle on CNN with Eric Fernstrom that yeah. day. They go so far to the right to win the nomination and then they pigeonhole themselves when it's time for the general i would have thought jeb would have been the front runner just with mitt last last time out just everyone oh mitt again mm-hmm. and yeah, but jeb, the republicans let you rerun the the democrats don't for and, some reason you know when your brother was the worst president since world war ii um by any measure economically you want to put up there but you keep getting you keep hearing jeb called the good bush the smart bush <laughs> Yes. Almost like this is a chance for the country to make up for its mistake. Oh, isn't that nice of them? That's so care. When your own mother comes out and says it's not a good idea and the American people <laughs> yeah, are sick right. of it. When your own she mother puts the kibosh on your presidential campaign. I mean, I, I love how close, I'm Catholic. I didn't have it that bad. I, I love how close the Clintons and Bushes are. Like, it, it reminds me so much of the WWE where the fans <laughs> are rooting, but then those guys go out and have beers later yeah. afterwards. You know, like, they, they have 
have more in common with each other than they do with us. So well, it makes exactly you know, right. You remember the old Bill Hicks bit? Well, I like the puppet on the left. Well, the puppet <laughs> on the right shares my view. Hey, there's one guy holding two puppets. <laughs> Shut up. Drink more beer. And you're exactly right. This is the problem progressives have with Hillary Clinton is that, you know, Barack Obama ran on reform and we're run, we're living in the age of modest improvement that's being called sweeping reform. Uh-huh. And now they've gutted Wall Street reform in this budget deal. The whole derivative scandal that, that, that crashed our economy can happen all over again now. And the American public is officially back on the hook for the next bailout. So, you know, we didn't get real reform. Hillary Clinton's not a reformer. Mm-hmm. She's not going to. Hillary Clinton's so, you know, awash in Wall Street money and pharmaceutical industry money and, 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 and uh, health insurance money. She's not going to be able to be the crusader to piss these people off and fight for the working people and do anything about income inequality. I, I do fear if she gets it, and I would bet that she will win the presidency, that she'll be a one-term punching bag. And the GOP will go for it hardcore in 2020. Um, what about anybody else could win? with the Democrats besides Hillary, or does she have it locked? You know, I know people, really smart people, who think that Bernie Sanders could win it, and I'm like a Jewish socialist in his 70s, but they say Bernie could win the superdelegate states, and that's true, and I'd like to see Bernie Sanders run, because I think he's one of the few Democrats who could get Republicans to cross over. The guy just talks a lot of common sense. The whole being a Jewish socialist in your 70s thing might might work against him, but um, Elizabeth Warren says she's not running, which upsets a lot of liberals who view her as a, a MILV. Mm-hmm. A mom I'd like to vote for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she says all the right things. I think she could actually, I mean, she's so good at common sense. She could turn on some Republicans as well. I think they'll run. Uh, definitely Bernie will run. They say Martin O'Malley might do it and, uh, Deval Patrick might even Howard Dean might. Um, and I think they'll force Mrs. Clinton to take some policy positions, which she has avoided. Uh, they'll make her a better, stronger candidate and then they'll gracefully exit and give her a great rah-rah convention speech. So you think she's locked? You think the Democrats are locked with I don't, I, I don't see how she's beatable, and it's awkward because I think she's one of the worst public speakers the Democrats have to offer. And what about this, the fact that her, her husband parties with Jeffrey Epstein? Is that going to fuck her up? How many people are going to know who Jeffrey Epstein is? Who's going to care? Uh, right now, the New York Post. Well, you know? they're going to hate. They're going to hate no matter what. Yeah, you know. And and even though Rupert held a fundraiser for her once upon a time, uh, the New York Post is going to screech against her no matter what. But the fact is, it is a bit embarrassing that this country hasn't had a female president yet. You know, Pakistan beat us to it. Right. So I I do think America's ready for it. I would rather see Mrs. Warren because. We need serious reform in this country. One-seventh of all of our assets are owned by foreign countries. I mean, we're just bought and paid for. This is a shell game. And it seems like the whole history of our country has never been liberal versus conservative. It's been democracy against aristocracy. It's been this notion of one man, one vote versus, uh, no, we're actually the rich people who own you. And, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren is someone who could wake up people on the left and right to that, get people to cross party lines. I think she'd piss off as many Democrats as she'd piss off Republicans. Um... I, I, I just don't think we've been beaten bad enough to start listening to that kind of talk yet. I think it's going to have to get worse before it gets better. I, I just think that the fact that it could be Bush versus Clinton means that Isn't we want royal families, you know, in the same way that we keep getting Kardashians and you're like, exactly right. and you were just like, oh, I know that family. They're Kardashians. Oh, the little one brands. is cute. Branding, you know? branding, branding. Yeah. I mean, it's product brand name loyalty is the number one reason George W. Bush got the White House. It wasn't for his 
great speaking skills or intellect or record in Texas, mm-hmm. you know, people knew him and they trusted him. And Bush was a great candidate. If you're running a GOP candidate, you've got to service three demographics, right? The Wall Street guys, the golden calf guys. You got to serve the conservative Christians or the fundamentalist Christians who worship Jesus as a God because that's easier than following his awkwardly liberal teachings. Uh, and then just guys who like Tom Clancy books, right? Right. You know, macho guys, strong men, John Wayne fans, war porn dudes. Bush was great for all three of those. I don't see any candidate they're putting up on the GOP field right now who can who can turn on Wall Street, Tom Clancy fans and conservative Christians the way W did. It is strange that those three things come together yeah. under conservatives because they're pretty like when, uh, you know, I have a lot of guys that, that are friends of mine that just don't want to pay taxes. So they're Republicans. Which and they have, is the least patriotic thing I have ever yeah. heard. If you have to pay higher taxes, slightly higher taxes because you're rich, that's nature's way of saying you've won. Yeah. Right. Like the first time I was I I made enough money under Bill Clinton to have to pay higher taxes. I was thrilled about it. And most rich guys find a way to avoid that anyway. But if you're going to talk patriotism while supporting shipping our jobs overseas, I don't think Levi's should be allowed to show the American flag in their ads as much as they do after they ship the last of their jobs over to Asia. And if you're going to talk about patriotism, but, you know, freedom isn't free, but don't ask me to pay for it. Right. You know, and the Democrats drop the ball more than the Mets in September. They don't know how to exploit that. They refuse to exploit that. They, they, they refuse. Uh, mainly because I'm sure there's enough hypocrisy there. That's why Eisenhower couldn't Eisenhower couldn't even get the nomination today. I mean, even with his war record, he couldn't do it. You know, you think when we were kids and you hear about the hippies against the Eisenhower Republicans. Well, right. what were Eisenhower Republicans? Strong infrastructure spending, incredibly progressive taxation on the wealthiest Americans, heavy union involvement. You look at union support of the GOP in 56, and it's astonishing how pro-union they were. The interstate highway plan, using all that good old socialism from the GI Bill to get people back to work. The ultimate irony is the hippies have now become the Eisenhower Republicans. Hmm. I get called a liberal, and I'm like, I like Ike. Right. That's the uh, that's the funny thing of uh, we don't uh, for being this uh, country that loves our history. We know very little. Reagan raised taxes eleven times, passed yeah. the most liberal abortion law in California state history. And like they, some people say he wouldn't be electable today, not as a Republican. I don't know. I mean, I, I actually don't think he could because I think that his whole kind of GE star theater prompter reading yeah. grandfather type was a better sell when people who served in World War II were still voting and deciding elections, you know? How about a third party? Never any chance, I'm right? I'm ready for a second party, yeah, to be honest Yeah, a second party would be great. A third party could happen. Let me tell you, our first ever third party president in this country got in with 38% of the vote, and he was a Republican, and he was Lincoln. So, don't tell me it couldn't happen again. And a lot of people would like to see a third party. I, I certainly think that we need another one. I certainly do. If they had a candidate like like a Bloomberg, per se, not necessarily him, but someone who was either independently able to finance it, a la Perot, uh, or at least someone who was effective at getting campaign donations, the problem is a poor guy couldn't run for president. And you're yeah. never going to get rid of income inequality until you get money out of politics. And how are you going to do that when Wall Street is deciding who the president will be? Whoever Wall Street feels safest about is who's going to get the gig. Um, all right, eight six six Ron Zero Fez, eight six six Ron Zero Fez. Who's going to be the next president of the United States? Ted Cruz. Uh, your Fez, who's your pick? Hillary. Based yeah. on what? Um, that it's her. Th- 
The her way turn? the country works, yeah, it's, it's her, her turn. It's her turn, see? Yeah. Do you think any Republican sees this as her turn? Oh, no, no. I see. Everyone I, says that, like she's entitled to the job. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. On the virtue of her resume, that she's entitled to this job in a democracy. The resume and what you hear about, oh, what she put up with with him. Yeah, but that's crazy that, but the, talk. I, then for... I'll give her a talk show on yeah. daytime TV. What, is, what legislatively has she done that turns people on? You know, you look at her record in the Senate. It was six years of agreeing with most of what George Bush wanted, signing off on everything George Bush wanted, then two years of saying, bad, bad, bad George Bush. Uh, I, I thought she was very fine as Secretary of State. Um, but, uh, you know, she, she was an excellent representative for our country, very popular around the world. That's, that's good. But I don't really know what it is about her record that turns people on so much. I, I like her personally, but I don't really see what she accomplished in the Senate. What she run? What can she, she can run on? Is Joe Biden just going to no. step aside and I'd say it's all run. yours? I'd love to see him run. I think no way he runs. I don't think it happens. I don't know. It could happen. I mean, I don't think he'd win. I think he's a much better campaigner, a much better debater, a much better public speaker. People forget how he just mopped the floor with Paul Ryan right, and Sarah but, Palin. He's a dynamite guy on stage, really likable. But he let himself be the Ed McMahon for, you know, eight years yeah, and no so one... Bush. So did Bush. Bush was a clown for four years and people reelected him. Ronald Reagan was a gaffe machine. People forget Johnny Carson was ragging on Reagan every night for the crazy dumb stuff he would say. Uh, gaffes you know, will, will be used against him. But ultimately, most people don't pay attention. They'll watch the debates and they'll go with who they get the strongest feeling about. All right. Here's my one prediction. Please. And I'm sticking with this forever. And I've been saying it mainly. I've probably been saying this for five years. Barack Obama will be the strongest, most powerful ex-president that the that we've ever had in this country. He's going to become a gigantic and powerful and mythical uh, person every year that he's out of office. That's actually brilliant because yeah. you look at Bill Clinton and how nobody really appreciated what he pulled off until he was out of office. Yeah. And Obama's record, you know, when, when you look at what he's done, uh, he, he's done a lot of stuff Republicans said they would do. He's also going to have that Jackie Robinson thing about Absolutely. him that no one ever remembers. Like Jackie Robinson hit 300 probably lifetime, which means he struck out or at least made it out seven out of ten times. As a kid reading, you never read about that. In the movies, you never see him making it out. People are only... And everybody who's lined up against Obama in the future is going to look like the people yelling shit at Jackie Robinson. <laughs> yeah. They're just oh, going... Yeah. It's going to become a myth. Nobody remembers the names of the Vatican officials who tried to stop Galileo. They remember Galileo being forced to say right. that the Earth doesn't revolve around the sun. No one's going to remember the names of these guys who, you know, exploited those four dead Americans in Benghazi for cheap political gain against this guy. They're going to remember, you know, Barack Obama, and he managed to get some people health care, and he got Bin Laden, and he accomplished a lot of what he said he would accomplish. But, right, H- but I, I do think that that you know Obama's got to pick what his what his mission will be. You know, that's the big thing. Jimmy Carter's building houses for poor people. Bill Clinton's got a global initiative to fight hunger. And George W. Bush is saying, want to see my picture? I mean, when Bush went to Haiti, I thought that was the smartest thing he could have done. And I don't understand why George Bush isn't out there, uh, you know, doing more, uh, identifying himself with causes. I think there's something I like about him just dropping out and painting, though. I mean, it's just so strange and oddly cool. Like, the fact that we get to see these things (laughs) is so... so... Oh. 
I just can't believe it. And then he'll go out for these wounded warrior rides with yeah. these soldiers who lost their limbs because of him. It, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like Bush isn't a dummy. He, he, he says dumb stuff, but I, I don't understand why he's not trying to salvage his own legacy. I mean, the paintings are just, you know, they're lovely. I mean, I spent time in dentists' waiting rooms. They, they would look great. Um, I can't wait till there's enough of them that they bring them to New York. <laughs> we can all go through go to the just Guggenheim and see. It would just be great. These Bush originals. Um, here is uh, Bob in Tennessee. Bob, what do you got, buddy? Hey, cousins. Hey, cousins. Um, I was wondering, uh, last election, uh, John Huntsman for me looked like very rational and yeah. balanced. He paid the um, price for that. But, you know, everybody says they want something different, third party, not just partisan stuff. How come a candidate like that just can't get any traction? Is it just because people are uneducated or because Wall Street won't get behind somebody like that or or what? There's an enormous amount of people who start to vote for people that are winning. If someone yeah. says that, oh, somebody has jumped up in the polls, there's a big percentage of people who will go, yeah, I'm for the... It's almost like when people will tell you they like a number one movie. Mm-hmm. They just want to feel like they're with the majority. Yeah, bandwagon, insane. Yeah, bandwagon mentality yeah. for mobs. So Huntsman but, have any shot at this. Uh, you know, the fact is he, he, worked for, he worked for President Obama. He was ambassador to China, and that that worked against him because he actually made committed the sin of uh, you know acting like a Christian and working with someone with different views than you. But uh, he ran a decent campaign. He's a fine man. He made Nirvana references on stage, which I don't think won the Tea Party over. Yeah, you know that last campaign, uh, every Republican except John Huntsman at one point was the front runner. Herman Cain, Newt Gingrich, Ron Paul, Rick Perry, Rick Santorum. Every they call gay guys promiscuous. Those yeah. Tea Party voters made everybody the front runner except John Huntsman. It was so depressing. Sarah McLaughlin was doing late night infomercials for. Him. Look at John Huntsman. Don't euthanize his campaign. Look at his big Mormon eyes. I'd love to see him run. I'm friends with his daughter. He's he's a decent guy and I think he'd move the debate in a sane direction. I I, I don't think he needs the aggravation of all that work for no results. So not yeah. going to happen, dude. Bummer. Is, is there anybody that kind of straddles the party lines that way now that has any chance? On the GOP side? Um, either side. Well, I, I think, it's, well, you know, it's tough to, to win the nomination. That's yeah, what you got to do. The first thing you got to do is win the nomination. And then, like you've pointed out, try to figure out a way to say, no, I'm not that guy that I said I've been for the last eight months mm-hmm. to a year. That's the tough thing to pull off. You know, Colin Powell could do it if he switched parties. He could bring people together. Um, uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, liberals don't like how conservative she is, but that her conservative credentials could bring over a lot of uh, a, a lot of folks on the right. Uh, I thought Howard Dean in in eighty four in uh, in two thousand four actually was the guy who could have done it. You know, he he was a strong Second Amendment guy, uh, a doctor, brought health care to his state. Um, then he got in this pissing match with Gephardt and uh, alienated the media, and the media buried him. Yeah, the media decided that he was a lunatic for yelling. One time, and the week before that, he was on Chris Matthews saying, "We're going to break up all the media monopolies, Chris." Right. While, while NBC was merging with Universal, <laughs> mistake. <laughs> yeah. And a week later, he hollers in a room full of people hollering, and the news shows just him hollering. That's funny too. When they tell you there's a liberal press, and you're you're a corporation if you're anyone. Yeah, the media is as liberal as the corporations that own it. Uh, here is uh, Ron in Orlando. Go ahead, Ron. What do you got for us? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd like to actually see the Republican Party uh, learn from the mistakes and maybe even uh, adopt some of the Dem- Democratic Party as far as they don't, people don't want old white guys in office anymore. So like a Connelly's Rise, a uh, Colin Powell. She's, she's, pro, she's pro-choice. She couldn't do it. Colin Powell's pro-choice, too. Yeah, but my point is, I mean, I, I'm a registered Republican, but it would be nice if to see us migrate across what has been... Uh, I, but here you go, Ron. Could you vote for a, uh, a presidential candidate, a Republican, who was pro-choice? Yeah, I would. I think and, a lot of Republicans would. Yeah, and that's the problem, is that they're stuck into that, and that it paints them, and even a lot of the guys who say, I'm not, you know. And you know the irony shit. of this is that, that, that abortions went down every year Clinton was in office. They went up every year Bush was in office. And if you're trying to ban Roe versus Wade, you're not going to get rid of abortion. Abortion's always been around. It'll always be around. Right. What you're really doing is banning safe, legal abortions, which means you're creating more Dr. Kermit Gosnells. We don't have an abortion problem in this country. We have an unwanted pregnancy problem and an abortion symptom. I'd like to see the Democrats and the Republicans get together and say, what are we as a nation going to do to stop having unwanted pregnancies, especially when nobody has money anymore to raise kids? Mm. I mean, that's that would be I would vote for the guy who said that. Uh, here is uh, Don in Iowa, important state. Uh, Don, what do you got for us? Million bucks, brother. Million. Hey, I, like to, I would like to know, we, well, we all know the talk. The president is just a talking head, and he is told what to say from the Congress and Senate and all that. Oh, I want to know what this guy's speech is on that. I mean, how do we get, I mean, big business runs this country. Yeah. How do we how do we get back to where it's our country again? You get money out of politics. Period. That's the yeah, only that's sure. the only way you that? the only way you reverse income inequality. Uh, By the way, could you see the media backing that since they get all the ads? You know what I mean? The media must love it. So uh, can you imagine owning a TV station or a radio in, station uh, yeah, in, in, a, in New a red, Hampshire? A radio Iowa? station in a red state during primary season. You know, in LA they dropped uh, the progressive talk station and they they turned it into a right-wing station. They are so you can now hear Rush Limbaugh I think 3 or 4 times a day in Los Angeles, but you can't hear any of the progressive talkers like Tom Hartman or Stephanie Miller. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it for the ratings they did it to sell the ad time because that's how you cash in and my next life i either want to be the guy who owns a gas station next to an airport rental car place when yeah. everyone's returning and i can charge nine bucks a gallon or i want to own a radio station in a red state during a midterm election i i, I don't know how it can be done it would have to be the, the people would have to you know like they say you you won't see salary ceo caps until the shareholders demand it i don't think you're going to see uh, an end to this income inequality until the people demand getting big money out of politics and there's enough Kardashians to distract us from caring about that. Well, we talked about this the last time you were here, that enough people, it's a weird thing about being American, you can be broke and still worried that when you're rich, you're going to keep be able to keep it's all crazy. your money. It's fucking insane. It's so ridiculous. And, and, and it works. It's a good strategy. I don't want the rich to pay more taxes now because when my scratch off <laughs> finally pays yeah. off. Yeah. And again, it's like if you got to pay 3% more 
that means you won, dude. Like, yeah. you know, what, what, where's your patriotism there? Freedom isn't free, but I don't want to pay a little more for it. Uh, you know, again, Eisenhower will be primaried, 90%, you know, and, and, and we're supposed to believe that the trickle down worked under, under Reagan at 50%, but not under Obama at 36%. It's, it's, it's nonsense. You know, Obama didn't raise taxes. He ended the Bush tax cuts, which are supposed to expire in 2010 anyway. That was Bush's tax increase. And guess what? The economy did better. Once rich people began paying 3% more, the real sin of it is that married couples who make $450,000 a year combined are paying the same tax rate as single men who are billionaires. You know, it's not just the 1%. It's the difference between the 1% and the 0.1% right. and the 0.01%. And if you make a billion dollars a year and you're paying the same rate as a married couple making 450000 the game is rigged and no one in either party will talk about it. Here is uh, here's Kevin in Pennsylvania. Yeah, first I'm plugged when his show is going to be on, but secondly, the Republicans marched Bobby Jindal all around and put his face everywhere, and then he kind of got forgotten about. Is he going to be a, a possibility for a VP candidate? I don't think so. I mean, I'd like to think so, but I think the stupid party comments he made uh, after 2012 hurt him a lot with the base, and he's just he doesn't have the charisma. That that one rebuttal speech to say to the union, it was like, and now Bobby Jindal, boy governor. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, he does give didn't really thing. work. And then God only knows how. You know, I mean, God forbid he spoke to some David Duke groups as well uh, in Louisiana, like Steve Scalise did. It's really hard to get ahead in that party without serving a certain demographic. And I, I, I've met David Duke. I was on Bill Maher with him. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much that guy's deal is racism or how much that guy's deal is getting racist to send him money. Yeah, he's a carny. He went to jail for that. He went to yeah. jail for felony tax fraud and mail fraud because he was embezzling the money the racist sent him and using it to finance his gambling addiction. And he's still a player in Louisiana state politics after prison. It's crazy down there. I had him on my show in Florida, and he was just hanging out at death metal shows. There's a lot of death metal shows used to be in Tampa, <laughs> and he would find these angry young white guys, yeah. and it would be, you know, just pull them together, and he would see something in them, and it was just Yeah, that worked carny. in Berlin in 33, didn't it? it? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> have brown shirt, we'll assemble. Yeah. Although, I have to admit, they had a lot more style than Nazis in those days than they do now. Oh, my God. They let yeah. themselves go. Seriously, there's a, there's a reason all these gay fetish groups like Nazis so much. <laughs> those guys those guys had some style. Uh, you're going and you to... know what? If Hitler had been a better painter, none of this would have happened. Everyone always says he's freaking liberal, saying, if, if I could go back in time, I'd kill Hitler. Fuck you. You're a liberal. You're not supposed to kill people. I'd go back in time and buy his paintings. If Adolf, had these him. are great. Keep at it. You know, they're right up there with Bush's paintings. They're oddly... <laughs> Similar. Yes, but Bush painted. Bush was a bad painter after he wrecked an economy and 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 caused millions of deaths and unnecessary invasions. Uh, uh, Hitler, if only, if only people had bought his stuff, he might have just n- never picked up a pamphlet. <laughs> Stayed out of politics. Uh, tell me everything with John Fugel saying airs weekdays from two to five Sirius XM Insight, and you're going to be performing stand up at the Charlie Benefit at NYC's Ethical Culture Center on Thursday. Yeah, uh, January twenty second. Uh, That's going to be some great comics coming out. You know, a, a lot of liberals are freaking out as they see how racist a lot of the Charlie Hebdo uh, comics were, and it's like, well, that's exactly who. Why the hell you should stand up for it? It's free speech, and you know, just as it, it's never the great works of art that force us to put our money where our mouth is. It's too 
Live Crew. It's shitty hip hop like Two Live Crew or The Interview or Nazis wanting to march in Skokie. It's like when it comes down to freedom of expression, it's standing up for what you don't like. Yeah. And uh, and so you know, I'm very proud to be part of a lineup uh, defending that because you know what? If your religion tells you that God wants someone dead but doesn't feel like doing it himself, so you should do it, then your religion sucks at religion. And uh, I'm glad to see the whole world kind of being disgusted at these guys. It's uh, it's amazing to see them come together over these basically, you know, comic strips that we ignore in this country. Yeah, God can handle it. God yeah. can take a joke. But remember when everybody was mad at that weird preacher for wanting to burn the Koran and piss on it? Nobody came to his thing, I guess, because it wasn't art. Was that the point there? Well, no one disputed his right to burn a Koran. Uh, they just said that's really fucking stupid and you know you want to make them hate us more and then he did he backed down then he did burn the Korans, and then the hotheads overseas went and attacked an embassy and killed people over it. So it's like, half the time I think the war on terror is just our assholes against their assholes. Right. Because the overwhelming majority of Christians, Jews, and Muslims, and I'm talking progressive, conservative, and moderate Christian, Jews, and Muslims, are getting along fine right now. You know, when my atheist brothers and sisters say religion's responsible for all the violence and oppression in the world, no. The fundamentalist wings of all religions, the people who think that women are second-class citizens, or that gays need to be beaten or that violence is okay if my side does it or that your god fan club is inferior to mine these hopeless romantics these are the assholes doing it the people who think that i get a get out of hell free card from god and i can kill whoever i want because i pick i pick the right fan club it's the fundamentalists that are the problem and uh, you know so I, I reject the notion that religion is responsible for this if you got rid of religion douchebags would find another cover for their behavior so how do we pick those people out of the crowd though john how do we find those guys before they do bad shit you know uh, in many ways i think it's uh stop giving them reasons to hate us um mm-hmm. in many ways i think it's about giving them more opportunity not that we can do that but when the saudi royal family sent emissaries to this free speech march in paris the same week they're sentencing a blogger to 1,000 lashes for criticizing the the, the orthodox religion? I mean, what hypocrisy. You have ignorance and poverty and illiteracy and social injustice and you bring in a charismatic guy to tell them you know who to blame? I don't care if it's in the south of the Klan or the Middle East with Al-Qaeda. You're going to get violence out of it. And and the internet can help. You know, free exchange of ideas, and if, if people can learn what's out there and getting out of these provincial tribal mindsets. But have you ever read the comment section to any news oh, thing? Yeah. I mean, the amount of ignorance that the... that. The hate, internet is exposed. Hate. It's and, fucking and unbelievable. There's people like that here, man. There's people yeah. here who would kill people, and they call themselves Christian. And mm. Just like these Muslims who call themselves Muslim. If, if Allah wanted somebody dead, he'd smite them. You ever read the Bible? God smites people all over the place. That's how he solves problems. That's how we know he's a man. But, <laughs> you know, it's like Jesus talked about love, man, and that's what your religion's supposed to be about, and love is the only thing that's going to conquer it, because I'm sorry, I don't see a military solution to terrorism. Uh, here is uh, Chuck in North Carolina. Go ahead, Chuck. Hey, Ronnie. First of all, I want to say I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I vote for the person. First thing is, I'd like to know what this guy thinks Hillary Clinton has done to be able to be a candidate, much less be the president. She's done nothing but let her husband make her look like a fool. She ain't done nothing but kiss ass up there in the damn Senate. So, Chuck, who would you vote for if you had to vote today? Who would be your guy? 
Probably, Romney. We need a businessman, and we need somebody to straighten out the country financially. And the president, I always thought, has to get one, one party and the other party and try to make them work together. What we've had in the last six years is somebody says, Democrat, that's it, nobody... If you don't like it, I'm going to do it and sign it with a pen. What are you talking that? about, my friend? What are you talking about? The GOP no met the night he was sworn in and swore to obstruct. Mitch McConnell said the number one priority of the GOP in his first term was not to help working folks, was not to improve the economy, but was to prevent Barack Obama from getting a second term. No president's had more filibusters they, in history. And they should have got rid of him in the second term. He, he, made, done he made the oh, Republican he health plan that. law. Liberals wanted well, single wait payer. Minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That health plan bullshit got some people that don't work or don't work much and screwed up everybody else's insurance. No, it didn't. Every and that's bullshit. so. Let me get. Let me ask you this then. Hang on a second, sir. Let me ask you a question. So what you're saying is, if insurance companies are being dicks. And Barack Obama passes a law to make them not be dicks, but they find new ways to be dicks. That means Obama's a dick. Is that what you're saying? Well, well, no, I'm telling you the reality of it. My deductible went out the roof. And are you mad at your insurance company or at the president who tried to make it work? Who are you mad at more? Hey, it didn't change till he fucked with the insurance. (laughs) These people that ain't got it, they're they're not going to buy it anyway. Well, I agree with. Well, this is and this is why we need single payer Medicare for all. Obamacare is the Republican plan. You know that, right? The Heritage Foundation cocked it up. Mitt Romney made a law, and liberals wanted single payer Medicare for all. That's what our that's what all of our capitalist allies have, and nobody in those countries ever goes broke due to an inability to pay health care costs. Well, I'll bet you a five dollar bill that if you open these phone lines up and ask people about their insurance now before Barack changed all that stuff. You'll have a whole lot more on my side than you got on yours. I'll t- and I can I and I can point you to people whose lives have been saved because of it, sir. You know it. Oh, of sure. course, it's imperfect. It hasn't. I, it has made some people's rates go up. I didn't support it. I wanted a public I option. I understand. I didn't want the Republican plan. I think the insurance companies are the bad guys. I think having people who get rich off disease who aren't doctors is creepy. This middleman culture we have is fucked up. I, un- I understand that it's helped some people, but it's hurt. Ten times as many. It's killing it's the not people true. out here. I'm it's ready to vote for Chuck right now, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> Chuck, what about Mitt Romney? Listen, it's the five dollar bill. Chuck, I, I I agree with you that uh, that I agree with you that Mrs. Clinton doesn't have a much of a record to run on. But what of what specifically in Mitt Romney's record? And let's remember, it's Mitt Romney's health plan Obama adopted. Okay, and he's your guy. Okay, it's his plan. It's a free market plan. What has Mitt Romney done other than outsourcing thousands of American jobs overseas? What has he done that you admire so much? Didn't he straighten out his state? With health care? With everything. Not with everything. Financially in good shape. Well, that state was in good shape. I thought they we were tax excuses or whatever you call them. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that that was where the eggheads pay too much taxes. Chuck, I well, love you, buddy. We had a businessman named George this Bush, guy, and look what he did. This guy right here was bragging a minute ago about loving to pay more taxes. If somebody makes a million and somebody makes 10000 who pays more taxes? Well, obviously, the guy who makes a million, the guy who makes okay. ten thousand, pays no federal why taxes. Why are you saying? Why are you saying that you just you're not patriotic if you don't want to pay more of a percentage? You're already paying more 
than somebody that don't make a million. Well, you're talking about people. You're talking. Oh, you're you're going to the forty seven percent topic, aren't you? About the folks who are too poor, veterans and seniors who are too poor to pay federal taxes. Forty seven percent out of your check is too fucking much. Those no, that's not uh, that's not the forty seven percent I was talking about. But those those people still pay state taxes. Uh, they pay sales taxes and local taxes. And again, plus, do you like plus, do, you, do you like the, the guy the guy that makes a million or makes a billion? He's probably got businesses. So he's probably employing people. So do you think he's that? Doing good. So listen, it's it's thirty five years of Ronald Reagan trickle down economics, right? Of, of well, I putting, tell you what. I I made more money in my stuff, in my mutual funds, and all that shit Ronald Reagan than I ever have in this cocksucker we got in there. <laughs> That's John, good for you, man. <laughs> uh, John, I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you Chuck at 2 o'clock. Feel free to move <laughs> Call over. my show, dude. Call Tell my show every day. Fugle hey, you... listen, I'm, I'm not a poor guy. I got business. I got plenty of money, and that's great. But, I, but, I, but do you but think I've got Bill... people? I've got people that work for me, and my kin people that struggle. I got people absolutely. That I so let me ask you: Do you think? Do you think it's right that billionaires pay the same tax rate as married couples who make four hundred fifty thousand dollars? Is that fair to you? Does that make sense? They pay more money. They pay more. They don't. Sure, they do. Thirty-nine percent. Thirty-nine percent. If they make a billion dollars. And this family makes four hundred thousand. Who pays more money? Percentage wise, it's exactly I the same. The percentage. Fuck the percentage. Who pays more? Well, then don't complain when your economy crashes and nobody has any money. If you give a poor man a dollar, it'll wind up in the rich guy's pocket by nightfall. But at least the poor guy will have spent it. Well, let me tell you right now, this cocksucker got in there right now. He ain't worth a fuck for nothing, and you know it as well as I. It's do. really nice to talk to to, to, to talk to nonpartisan people like yourself, Chuck. I enjoy this. Chuck, you're like Andy Griffith in that um, <laughs> <laughs> that suddenly there's going to be this groundswell. Chuck, uh, two o'clock. All right, over on XM one twenty one. One twenty one. Pick it up. This is the kind of shit you can do every day with John. We would He's love to have you call you. in. He's the best. Yeah. He should He's write political ads. Uh, <laughs> he should. Hey, Brian, what do you got? Uh, hey, man, I'm I'm listening to what uh, Mr. Fugel saying. Saying, I'm just I'm coming from a really personal place right here. Uh, my wife and I got married pretty much around the time the Bush tax cuts expired, and we've always uh, every time we were together, we uh, even filing combined, we've had a return. And the the expiration of those cuts, and I'm not a and eighty eighty percent of them were made permanent. Barack Obama made eighty percent of Bush's tax cuts permanent. Look, man, I owe twelve hundred bucks to the IRS, and they're coming after me. What do you? What What did I do besides make a literally fifteen more dollars an hour? I don't I, listen. Or, I don't like the fact. I don't like the fact that Mitt Romney paid less in taxes than you. I don't like that. It doesn't, dude. It it. This is the reality of politics. On your person's end, it doesn't matter. What it matters is dollars and cents to people who collect paychecks. Unfortunately, and I'm trying to start a business on the side to get out of this hole. But the fact of the matter is, when those tax cuts expired, I went from getting returns to owing literally over a thousand dollars that I just don't have. And 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 again. You know, Governor Romney's got his money in the Caymans. I don't want you to pay more. I want guys who can easily afford to pay a lot more to pay a little more. But it all 
it all comes it it all comes from the same pocket eventually it doesn't matter where those you can't legislate those guys paying more taxes they it, it, they'll they'll put their money they'll put their money on mars dude i know but you can i mean you can go after it if you want to you just can't count on getting campaign donations from them which is why uh, politicians uh, okay, won't do it then you want to you want to go after them you want to go after them with guns you want to go after them with real shit no. no how much do you owe to you're ready to do this it's fucking money you're that you're, I, I get it i get when, it too when it happens to to you you're fucking pissed i think people who can easily yeah. afford to pay more taxes should be the ones paying more taxes folks who are struggling should not be asked to pay more i'm on your side trust me all right thanks brian um and we'll take one more call before we let john go here's dan in delaware dan what do you got buddy hey guys i'm uh 49 years old i've been voting since i was 18 and i'm of the opinion that the system's so broke now that it's going to take literally the american people marching in the streets with pitchforks and and torches to change the system. That's I agree, important. and I can't find pitchforks anywhere. The funny thing is, in the last couple of years, you, I, I'm seeing more people in the streets uh, than f- in many, many years. And I, because I they think, live there now. Yeah, yeah. There's just a frustration that takes place that I don't remember being around before. And most of the Democrats are are not. They talk a good game, but yeah. you know, I mean, Barack Obama. He, this this healthcare plan was a giveaway to the insurance companies. Yeah. And and you know, they 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 keep thinking every time a democrat promises change they change into a republican it's one of the reasons why you know people have lost faith in both parties absolutely and to sit around and tell regular americans you can't afford to live in new york city or san francisco or once your kid gets out of college you're going to owe a hundred and ten thousand dollars i mean it's some it's some part this is just shameful i agree Uh, every day uh, this is what John is going to deal with, your happy calls, your angry calls, and he's going to have a lot of interesting people. Tell me everything with John Feudal saying. Airs weekdays, 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Insight, Channel 121. Also, John's going to be performing at Stand Up for Charlie Benefit in New York City, uh, Thursday, January 22nd. Go to Stand Up for uh, Charlie.Eventbrite.com. Gentlemen, so much, I, I love your show. Thanks for having me back, and I hope to get you on mine sometime. I'd love to do it. I, right on. See you next time. Thanks, callers. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy Hits, Channel 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ 
Um, I still don't know who I'm voting for now. Fez, you're the only one locked in on the Hillary. Nothing will change your mind. Hillary's my gal. I'm going to go really? so far as uh, this. I might not even vote this time. That's how disgusted I am with everything. If Hillary, I don't feel like I'm going to vote for Hillary, but if Hillary wins, I'll be. I'll feel like kind of depressed. I think. Do what I do and call her Billary because it's like her and her. You know, get it, Billary? Like she's just Bill too. She used to be called Hill Dog. I like that one, Hill Dog. Um. Here's some stuff up on the iBank today. Mike Epps wants to know why they keep letting Chris Rock make movies. That that should be under the headline of Crabs in a Pot. Uh, Great Ari Shafir interview. Uh, When's Ari's? He's got a special and a new TV show. We ought to try to get together with him um, and talk to him about this. Coming up a little later on is Togetherness. That's um, a new TV show that uh, Dublas... Dublas? Duplass. Duplass Brothers, Mark and Jay have made. Uh, Togetherness. It's another uh, HBO show that comes on Sunday nights. Uh, So Ari Shafir is doing his special out of the comedy store, and then his TV show... Starts uh, next week. Yeah, this is not happening. No, it is happening, Chris. I just told you. The name of the show, This Is Not Happening. Yeah, it's happening, all right. January 22nd, This Is Not Happening. Count on it. It's going to happen. On Comedy Central, This Is Not Happening. I'll bet you $5 bill right now. (laughs) Why five? (laughs) Look, he makes money, all right? I'm trying to give... uh, Chuck, go over to John and see if he'll just call his show every day. Make sure everybody gets a little Chuck. Yeah. He's got enough to spread around. He's got his own business. He's always okay. into something. Um, hey, Don in Virginia. What's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Cool. Good deal. Yeah, I'm a uh, new listener to you guys. I'm actually... Uh, uh, I love your programming. I like all the different topics you have. I'm calling from uh, Stewart Strath, Virginia. I don't know if you've ever been in our area of the woods, but um, yeah, I like your I like your show a bunch. Thank you very much, dude. Um, you know, you're the reason why we do this show every day. Fez Watley wakes up in the morning and during his shower, he says a prayer to his own higher power. Let me do this for the listeners. Let me come through for the listeners. Let me be a servant of entertainment and comedy. And not necessarily in that order. He'll say that to himself on a daily basis. Uh, Rain Wilson is going to come in, and you can be part of that unmasked. Rain Wilson, go over to the interrobang.com to uh, sign up for it. It's going to be a very, very cool time. It's the first uh, time that we've been doing another one back here at Sirius XM. The last one we did, sold-out show, hanging from the rafters to see Mr. Robert Kelly. I'll tell you this, Rain Wilson has got a way to go to become the best of the year. I don't know if he could do it. I'm looking at him as an underdog right now. Look, I love Rain Wilson. He's got to bring it. He's got to bring it next Wednesday. Because we're only a week out. What? We're a week out from this Rain Wilson unmasked. 
And I got a week back. Do you believe that? When did you get that? About a week back. See, that's before your time, Chris. It's a couple of dudes that used to fucking rock and roll by the name of the Three Stooges. And yeah, one of the Stooges would always keep fucking, you know, tapping out and coming in with new guys. Pretty much like that guitar player on the uh, on the Stones. <laughs> so anyway, the Duplass brothers are going to be here. Togetherness is what it's all about. By the way... Uh, something, a video that you're going to love to see today, but it's not safe for work. Okay. If you work somewhere that isn't safe. It's safe for our work, though. Our work right here. Our work is wide open. Okay. Okay? This is like, our work could basically be Mafia headquarters. And it's just simply called Kitties and Titties. And I didn't know, (laughs) see, I don't know where all the freaks come from, right? But apparently... People get turned on by kittens nuzzling big tits and playing with them. And I don't know why, but it's like they want to shove their little paws into it. Oh, yeah. And the girls allow that and think that it's cute. Where apparently men love to watch this. This is, they're, they're, all right, these little kitties, they're kneading the titties. Oh, we all need them, Chris. So like, you can't get out of that. Like dough, like, yeah. like breast dough. Yeah. Oh, this is pretty. This is actually pretty sexy. I'm pretty- it turns you on. <laughs> yes. But you're not a cat. Why would the look? That one's just trying to lick nipples. <laughs> I don't blame it. And look, that one's trying to breastfeed. This one wants to sleep on the big tits. <sighs> so obviously. And this turns you on. Yes, this is sexy. I like this a lot. Well, I'm I- not going to waste a, a conversation with Fez. But oh, oh. That one actually now turned me around. That's sexy, dude. Um, but all right, that one's stuck in the cleavage. That cat's stuck in cleavage. Right? It's sexy. That's I'm going to say this, and even though I'm in a radio war with Anthony, I'm willing oh. to. That's on a guy's tits oh. there. I'm willing to believe that Ant. This is right up his alley. I don't know if Anthony could watch this without having an orgasm, or maybe look at her tits are clawed up. Yeah. Look at her tit is clawed up from letting the cat play with it. Because that cat is just the cat's. This cat's motorboarding some titties right there. <laughs> That's what was going on. So this seems wrong. <laughs> Why? On several. It's just fronts. a nice. It's just a nice cat. I like cats. Like breasts, it's perfect. Now, Fez, I, I'm not going to bother you if this works for you. If I find something, kitties on nuts, I'll call okay. you with it. But Shelby, does this work for you, kitties and titties? This really works for me, and I, I think those cats—they know what they're doing. Because cats, they're not—they never come up and start kneading your foot or like your knee. Yeah, because there's more to the breast. It probably feels better. It's a nice breast meat. Yeah, but I'm saying, you know, they get to move it around. Where if they put their 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 uh, little paws, the hoof—it's a shame what happened to it. We got to cut it off with this knife. It's a hoof. Um, and she doesn't need glasses. Why is she lying? Because because it's it's fashion. She wants. I know. She knows. She look. The glasses are very sexy. The black. She's trying glasses. to be the nerd with the big tits, and she's pulling it off very well. But what I'm trying to say is, there's no give to a foot, Shelby. None at all. It's soft. It's like a beautiful, soft, breast meaty pillow. It's. I right, stop saying breast meaty because that's disgusting to oh, me. Oh, sorry. I apologize. Now. Do you think the cat knows what they're doing, or they're simply going off texture? 
they know what they're doing. They know they're going for that breast. But do they know that it's a sexual thing? Because they don't, they don't need and pull each other's breast. Oh. And why don't these women feeling bad about themselves? Why do they find this? Because women find cats harmless. I think they're getting paid to do it. I think really? some dude is saying, let my cat play with your tits. I'll put it up on the internet. And everybody's getting pays. Everybody? Everybody in clothes getting paid. We should be going to shelters picking up cats. I gotta make that money. Maybe the cat... You know what? I just, this, this popped into my head. Maybe the cats want milk out of them. Okay. Maybe there's... some... Yeah, but they know that that's not big cat tits for themselves. <laughs> You know what they should be playing doing this? We are Siamese, if you please. Dun, dun, dun. We are Siamese, if you don't. Please. Dun, dun, dun. All right, it's up on the eye bang under kitties and titties. <laughs> Why are you saying laugh like that? Because you heard the word titties? It's the rhyming. I like the rhyming. It, but it, it, it's sexy. I, I You're like a fucking this. baby. It's the babyish at times. I'm immature. I'll say that. You're not that. No, you're not babyish. You're a fucking baby, like an infant baby that never grew up. No, I. And all right. the neighbors were trying to stop the baby from smoking. Oh, I went to my big co-op board meeting yesterday. That's coop. And boy, I was just the. Uh, I was not wanted there. They they were like talking about me like I wasn't there. Like so, we have some renters in the building, and they're our main obstacle in making this building smoke free. And we really have to figure out how we're going to do but this. But you were there before them. Yeah, I was there before everyone at that meeting. But I also and they're learned, like, we got to get rid of him in his own home that he was born into. I also learned that I'm grandfathered in, so they could all suck it. So there's no way they can do anything to me about the smoking. But here's the deal. There might be a price that they come up with to get rid of you. Okay. But they would come to me. Let's say I'm always open to negotiations, you know? Like, if it's so bad. If there's so... Oh, I also learned about third-hand smoke, because there was a PowerPoint presentation about smoking. What's that? A baby who gets smoke in them and then breathes it in someone else's face? It's mostly wood damage is what I learned. That the smoke, like, turns fucking shit brown. And lowers, it lowers your property value. Buy you out then. Right? Here's the deal, man. And I've heard this before from some of the old timers in New York. And they let me know that people like yourself have been burned out of their buildings. <sighs> this old guy that I used to hang out with, he pointed at a building. He said, you see that building there? There used to be a tenement building there. And they fucking killed all those people. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, there was a fire, a suspicious fire. And he said, they burned up families. And I go, why would they fucking do that? He goes, that's a building, a billion dollar fucking building. Are you this naive that you don't know what these assholes will do for money? How did you fucking even get here, goddamn? And I said, stop being some tough guy, New York cliche, and let's just sit out front here, have a little fucking cigar and a conversation. It's intense. But what they're going to do, Chris, you're going to be sleeping. Yeah. They're going to come in, throw fucking kerosene over oh you, God. light you on fire. When the fire trucks come up, the fire trucks will be looking around, and they're going to go like this. Oh, that's that fucking guy in, in, in 7B. He smoked every day. And the fucking fireman will go, well, there's no sense in me looking around. Open and shut case, boys. They'll just sprinkle fucking unlit cigarettes all over me. All right. No, I don't want to get into a whole not safe for work thing. Okay. Because we did kitties and titties. <laughs> 
but there's also not safe for work Miley Cyrus coming up. Oh, which I consider. I mean, didn't we watch this child grow up in front of us? Yeah, on TV, in music videos. See, I haven't because I never knew who she was until she was doing shit like this. She's Hannah Montana, if okay. I remember correctly. Put her up. All right. Let's take a look at this. Oh, my God. What is this? Oh, I'm coming this over is, there to see. Yeah, <laughs> let's get this fucking as big as possible. Holy shit. All right, so she's in a shower. She's... Soaped up her little kitty, as they would say, and a little bit of soap over her titties. But that's just like one bubble of soap on her vagina. Yeah, that's it. Now, is what is she selling? Is this an album cover? What is in this for her? And it looks like an old Polaroid. Yeah, it does. You Which know makes it look, sexier. You know who seems like they're behind it, right? Uncle Terry? <laughs> no. Yeah, Terry. <laughs> I uncle thought you meant her actual uncle. <laughs> All right, let me see the top ones. She looks underage. Like she, like in the the one on the right, she looks like she's studying for her fucking high school biology class. All right, this like, says, oh, Miley is having so much fun on her bangers tour that she's sharing some behind-the-scenes photos, and they're... And they and they aren't safe for your work. Now let's go down to this picture. There's no way somebody has to fucking put that soap on there exactly like that. Yeah, there's no that doesn't happen by chance. Where the the perfectly shaped piece of tiny tiny piece of soap is directly over the lips of and, the vagina. All right, to Jesus. By the way, this is a boy's body. That's a sexy little boy's body. <laughs> she's fucking. She's toned. She's in good shape. Yes, for a boy. There's not a... That's not a woman's body yet. She's still a boy. She's lacking bust. Like, she wouldn't, she wouldn't be and, good for the kid. And it curves. There's, it's <laughs> just... She has the body of a Cub Scout. Oh, boy. And isn't she with a Kennedy now? Yep. Arnold. Teddy? Son. I'm sorry. Who was it exactly, Fez? What's the truthful answer? I'm sorry. Uh, Arnold. Don't you uh, ever be sorry to me. It's the Ron and Fez show. You never have to be sorry. Who? What's the exact answer? Patrick Schwarzenegger. And whose son is he? Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maria Shriver's uh, son. So they're the actual facts. Don't fall for the silly Teddy stuff. This is a real person. Uh, and this has got to be driving that Schwarzenegger girl crazy. Oh, my God. She doesn't want to see her sudsy daughter-in-law out there. You can't imagine another Kennedy coming through this area. <laughs> And that's all anyone's thinking about now, is that special soapy area. All right, let's do this as if it was like one of those vote-off shows, if it was like American Idol. Yeah. Do you vote for uh, titties and kitties? Oh, God. Or Miley in the bangers store in the bathtub? Um, there's more if you click through the link, by the way. So, uh, Shelby, you're going to get first vote... Is it Miley Cyrus soaping up in her bathtub, bangers to her backstage, or titties and kitties? I vote for Miley Cyrus, because we have similar bodies. I just feel a connection to it. Your body is not in her neighborhood. I hate to tell you, but I see you've got a right leg that's just whipping off on its own right now. Look at that little ass of hers. Right? It's not bad. For a boy. 
Why isn't she selling this shit? Why would she give away? This is what I don't understand about the young people. They they used to give people like her, if you were a music star, a million dollars to be in Playboy. Nineteen fucking eighty-seven dollars, right? Wow. Now these kids today, they just give away their nudity for free, and I don't get it. I mean, these going farther down in these these picks. I mean, she's just now in lingerie. These are just like sex picks from from what I'm seeing right now. I and just there she is, just the ass hanging out, titties, all of it. And the Polaroid thing makes it feel very creepy, like we weren't supposed to see these. Uh, Fez, which one do you pick? I will go with, uh, this no-win situation, uh, titties and kitties. Now I know that you're not gay, because that's a little boy that you could be looking at. You that She's a twink. <laughs> so you are not showing me even the slightest gaydom. Um... I will say this. Shelby definitely shows me all the gaydom I need to to see to choose him as being the gay guy on the show. Number one. He loves winning that kid. He's competitive. Yeah. He's a big winner. Why do you get mad at him? Just because I'm gay, you're mad at me? Or is it because you got to load all his work now and he doesn't have to do that anymore? Yeah, I'm, I'm, now that I've become a load boy, it's... It's a big load on my shoulders. It's a load out. Yeah. We do so many shows in a row. And Hicks has to load them all. <laughs> now you missed the three o'clock after meeting. Yeah. Now I'm just a dick loading things into profit. Why do you got to call yourself a dick? You're not a dick. You're just a guy who does the loadout. <laughs> I'm loadout, man. Load boy. Loader. Kurt Loader. Kurt Loader. <laughs> MTV News. All right, so now you got to pick. Look, I love Miley Cyrus. I love her craziness. I love her willingness to throw out these sexy pictures. I like that they're in some sort of weird, fake Polaroid format. But I think that Bla- the girl with- in Kitties for Titties with the glasses, be- her alone beats out Miley Cyrus. So you and Fez lining up together. Fez loves big tits and he loves kittens. Cookie. Cookie. Chocolate chip cookie. Kiss. Kiss, kiss, cookie. The Duplass brothers are coming in here pretty soon. Togetherness airs Sundays, 9.30 on HBO. It's not TV, it's HBO. But it's also TV. I'm not going to lie to you. Sure. It's still a TV. It also streams now. There's an app. HBO Go app. Eventually, I mean, I think this year in a couple months, you'll be able to just get HBO Go app without having cable. They're going to release that. That's what I want. Yeah. No cable. Just see? Getting closer and closer to cutting that cord. I don't know. I think I'm going to stick with the cable. <laughs> if they offer... To get rid of my cable and just give me the ca- the app. You know what I'm going to say? What's that? I can't go for that. No. No can do. I can't go for that. No. What's this fucking crazy show going on on DirecTV? Look like a bunch of... Uh, oh, El Cid. 
Man, that's like from 1958. That's back when CGI used to be real human beings running into people on horses. Like, if you turned on one of those old movies and you saw 8,000 people, it really would be 8,000 people. This looks fake. Now it's eight people and then CGI. Yeah, just copied and fucking pasted into a giant battle scene. I want to see who's winning more on this site, though. What more people have clicked on. Kitties and titties, mm. or Miley Cyrus and her soupy little vagina. <laughs> what do you think? I'm gonna say kitties for titties. People like uh, video. Shelbs, Miley Cyrus, kitties and titties. Shelby's got his fingers on the pulse right now. Oh. Miley Cyrus is in the lead. Come on, people, go to the kitties and titties. Now, I'm, you've seen Miley Cyrus's breasts. This is. Why can't you guys just get in line behind Shelby and follow that son of a bitch? People like cats. They like soapy vaginas more. It's just a fact. I never met anybody who doesn't like a soapy vagina. I don't like a soapy vagina. Or a soapy penis. <laughs> you like kittens. That's why you've always taken care of that cat of yours. Oh. Cookie. Cookie oh. the cat. That poor bastard cat. What what's doing right now. I like the fact that she's doing her own fappening. That she's like, I wasn't in the fappening, so here's one. Let me get a piece. Let me give a piece. Oh, yeah. This is a weird picture. Her just with like a dog. I don't get it. Yeah, it's her with a dog. What the fuck? Titties and kitties drives you crazy, but Miley's sitting there just fucking hanging around with a dog so bad. It looks like, like a stray dog. Like, it doesn't have a home. Like, it just crawled up on her. Yeah, one dog's looking this way, one dog's looking the other way. So what? Also, Miley's tattoos are kind of prison tattoo-y. Like, and both of these are doing better, oddly, than the hockey player who clotheslines himself, which is good family fun. I want everybody to straighten everything else up around here. Because um, Mark and Jay Duplass are coming in here. Togetherness airs Sundays at 9.30. These are big stars. They make big movies. They make big TV shows. That's pretty funny when he fucking <laughs> hurt himself like that. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I just saw on Netflix uh, the one I love with Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss. Great, great. I loved it. There's only two people in the whole movie. I think it's Ted Danson's voice. Well. Togetherness airs Sundays at 9.30 on HBO. This show, I want to try to explain it to you guys. Imagine if your life was shit and people kept shitting on it, making it shittier. All right. Now, it's this thing in life that I think that we all feel. That my job isn't where I want it to be. My... Work isn't where I want it to be. My kids don't think about me the way I thought they would. And the kind of loneliness of being in that situation. 
even though it's probably much more universal of a feeling. I kind of feel like most of us feel like my life's not supposed to be going this way. That you know how they do the multiverse? Yeah. That there's some other Chris Stanley who everything has just worked out for. <sighs> Why can't that, that be this Chris Stanley? It could be if you just wake up in that in that other multiverse. That's all you gotta do. I just have to find a way to jump in between. And yet yeah. maybe you won't be as happy there. Maybe there'll be maybe you'll have all the money and success that you want it. But you're not with your chick anymore. Oh, wow. Because you ended up cheating on her with Angelina Jolie. Right. And let's face it, that might happen. You just don't get the opportunities to cheat. Like, you're like, a lot of dudes are like, I would never cheat on my chick. Don't get the same kind of opportunities, let's say, a Brad Pitt gets. Yeah. Where it's just thrown at you. Yeah, so you don't know. You're as moral as your circumstances allow you to be. But in this multiverse where I'm just bawling out. All sorts of things have happened. I want to point something out to you. Yeah. This togetherness has nothing to do with the multiverse. Okay. This is a fucking figment of your own imagination. All right, then I'm off course. I'm saying there's where these people are. Fez, would you say that you're happy with your life? Are you happy with your work and your loving relationship? Oh, no. No. First of all, I don't have a loving relationship. This might be perfect for you, then. It's called t togetherness. Shelby, is your life going the way you want it to, to go? Not all aspects, no. I could. What one aspect is working out? Well, actually, I guess none. All right, there you go. There's, that's the honesty I was looking for. <laughs> that's the honesty that the Duplass brothers bring into this. They're not doing so good. Even though they live in Los Angeles, California, home of the Doors. You think that would be making them happy enough? Just go down to the Whiskey A Go Go and fucking rock out. What else is there to do, really? Apparently, Morrison died 40 some years ago. So they can't do that. Says who? So that's what they're going through in this show. They have some of the sexual problems. Oh, no. Yeah. The guy's wife doesn't want to give out that punani. <laughs> the people that he works with do not care as much as he does. His friend's a fuck-up loser. His sister-in-law is incredibly fucking hot. Oh. Really hot. I'm trying to think of who plays her. I like that. What's her fucking name? She's hot in everything she's ever played. Pete, Amanda Pete. Oh, nice. Yeah, she's so great. I like all of her movies with the sound down. That's how good of an actress she is. That's how she can portray herself through that. When she does show her tits in this. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you'll be happy to watch that first episode. Those were the first movie boobs I ever saw, and uh, I think it was the whole nine yards. You just called them movie boots. Movie boobs. And you wonder why you're our number one gay guy. Movie boobs. He says. They're human boobs. Do me a favor, Shelby. Don't say that to the Duplass brothers, all right? Mark and Jay are coming in here. Um, they've done a lot of independent films. Really kind of interesting guys. Uh, real do-it-yourself guys. And now they've got this TV show, which is like an independent film as a TV show. 
um, togetherness there Sunday, 9.30 on HBO. HBO.com for more information. Let's welcome Mark and Jay Duplass. Plus, are in studio with us. The new show is Togetherness. Good to see you guys. Congratulations. Thank you. For getting this out there because it's such a, it's a strange project. It's a strange (laughs) project where I'm watching these first episodes and I'm begging him to either change or kill himself. (laughs) I don't, I don't want to see you in this kind of pain anymore. Wait, you're talking about Brett? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say this because one great thing about togetherness is that uh, we try to create four equal protagonists. Um, And we're not really trying to dictate uh, what people should feel about the audiences. And so what you're saying right there, which is a great perspective, can be wholly different from how some other people feel about it. We've had people come up to us and say, what is wrong with Michelle? He's a good, dutiful husband. Yeah. He's there. What's her problem with him? Why doesn't why is she having these issues in their sex life? And and we sort of welcome um, that sort of open-ended interpretation of where everybody's at. Well, it is because it's like life where you see people who you think, oh, they're doing okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're doing good. They've got kids. They've got a place to live. And then we have no idea. Nobody's doing okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> Everybody's a wreck. And, I'll, I'll, you know, it is a comedy, but we uh-huh. do explore the dark side of things. And for Mark and me, you know, that thought, mm-hmm. no one is okay, is weirdly comforting. Because the worst thing in the world is to be walking around thinking everyone else is wonderful and you're the only fucked up one. Right. And, you know, in our experience, when we started making our breakthrough and finding our voice, we were basically making fun of the desperate and pathetic shit that we were doing. Mm -hmm. And we would giggle about it, and audiences would cringe and giggle about it. And later, people would come up to us privately and say, man, that that fight that that couple had, that was verbatim when I said to my girlfriend last night and it was like horrible but also weirdly validating you know it makes you feel a little bit less alone and yet also at the same time if no one is okay why are we doing this you know what i mean like i i you know i remember i'm ready to kill myself yeah. you, guys, you guys ready to get i'm ready to do it you know the 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 night robin williams died i thought if robin williams yeah, yeah exactly you know what i mean like and then i i went through this weird thing i'm like is 
Is Neil Young going to kill himself? Is that yeah, the next? Yeah, you know, yeah. who else? Who's, who's is, got it together? Is that, you know, because obviously if you take some of these people and you would think to yourself, if I got there, yeah. then I'm happy. Then I'm able to take care of people and do things and be a righteous guy. Yeah. But even that... Yeah. We Even Jay and I well. talk about that as uh, recalibrating the mountains of life, which mm-hmm. are like you know when we were younger, our whole dream was to get a movie into Sundance. You right. know, we were independent filmmakers, and we just assumed that once we did that, we would be happy because right. that was the top of our mountain. And we got up to the top of that mountain, and we looked around, and we're like, "This is amazing!" For five minutes, yeah. mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you realize. Oh shit, I'm not happy and you get more depressed. Yeah. I can only imagine what it's like to have achieved everything that someone like Robin Williams has achieved and to still feel like you're not happy. That that that's a scary amount of hopelessness. But in the case of our characters of togetherness, they haven't even reached their first mountain yet. No, they don't, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're they're yeah. really they're really struggling on that first mile and that's yeah. part of what we love about them. I mean, I guess you could call them lovable losers, but they can't even get their hikers pass. Yeah, to to us they're really like they're really trying hard, you know, um, to to battle against their their sort of unhappiness rather mm-hmm. than just like sit on a couch and whine about it. You know, they're they're like making efforts, and and that's part of what I think makes them kind of special. Well, you struggle for moments, I think, just like you said, you get those moments of I achieve something, yeah. and now what? And the same thing happens in relationships, yeah, yeah. where you feel like if, if I get that girl, yeah, and then you're like, okay, okay now, I got the girl. No, no, maybe we should have kids or move yeah. into a yeah. Bigger house, and you keep playing these games. Yeah, and I'm sure there's like holy men somewhere just laughing at us, mm-hmm. or or the holy men going, "I'm almost there." You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm almost at the. Maybe if, if I, I could get like longer. a little holier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I get like a, a, I, I need a new cloak. That's yeah. what I need. If I get a new cloak, I'm going to be happy. I need that new razor to shave my head a little bit cleaner. Yeah. But the thing about togetherness that uh, at least they know. They're unhappy, which I think yeah. is some kind of health. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like to know, hey, the way that I'm feeling right now is not acceptable. Where yeah. I do think there's a lot of sleepwalking. There is. Takes yeah, place. and I think that what's interesting. I mean, the way that the characters of togetherness experience life is not dissimilar from how Jay and I experience it. Which is, it's not like a long journey from unhappiness and then you get happy at a certain point, and then those are these sort of black and white states of being. It, you're constantly shifting in and out of it. You know, like the characters in our show, they have to go to the beach one day, and it's just like the most miserable experience in the world, taking a child to the beach. There's sand everywhere. There's nowhere to go to the bathroom. They're constantly getting burned by the sun. And you're thinking, why the fuck am I taking my children to the beach? But every third or fourth trip to the beach, you have this incredibly magical moment with your Mm -hmm. children right near the sand where life seems amazing and everything is clicking. And that keeps you going back to the goddamn beach. And that's part of what we are trying to do with the show. Yeah, the, also the, the concept of togetherness and what we're trying to convey is, you know, is really like the concept of like human civilization in a weird way is like these four people living under one roof trying to help each other through this thing and, you know, sharing in the pain and basically connecting with it and, and basically opening to it as opposed to, you know, I'm just trying to get away from this. Yeah.
But, you know, it goes back to those moments. you got to find moments. A picnic yeah. is a terrible experience, but maybe your kid will remember that one thing. Yeah. Like, my, my memories of my dad, you would think that we were only on vacation because yeah. I don't remember a lot of unfishing memories. <laughs> you know, it just yeah. seemed yeah. like we were camping somewhere. <laughs> and I'm like, what have I done with the rest of those And what's memories? great is, like, the good memory of fishing that was probably only a good six or seven minutes on that whole right. trip you got a picture of you and your dad smiling but right before that picture your dad was stressing out and probably had motion sickness yes <laughs> you know and seriously didn't understand that every i would snag so much i would just constantly yeah you know and he's like have to put his rod down but for <laughs> some reason and it's not like conscious you yeah. know what i mean like yeah. it's not a conscious thing i'm like well that was pretty great and that yeah. was pretty cool and that's like, I think if you have kids, a lot of times you think to yourself, I don't know, Disney World or something like that. But I really think that if you find just little places to chill around nature, that'll be the stuff that sticks. Yeah. You know? Someone was telling me this story that when all their friends were going to Disneyland or Disney World, their parents were like, okay, we're not going to go there because Disney World's like, it's okay, but it's not great. We're going to take you to this place. You're going to love it. It's called, and it was called like Ronnie Lane or something like that. <laughs> and it was this like totally like beat down, horrible RV park with yeah. a shitty stream that kind of smelled like feces. Yeah. You know, where they would like, like l look for gold and never find it. And yeah. they would camp out. And, and like while they were kids, they were like, what the fuck is this? And why are we not at Disneyland? But now like they go back there now with their kids. And, and show them that place, that little weird special yeah. place. Yeah, and you don't remember your trips to Disneyland, but you remember your trips to do very specific and weird things. And a lot of times, you remember times where shit goes bad. Yeah, and the and then you, and that's. The stuff where shit goes bad. We took a vacation to Jamaica where everybody threw up. And I am not kidding you. We have gotten so many goddamn laughs in the last 25 years about what happened to us on that trip and how we made it through and how we had to rely. I mean, it was like people were throwing up to the point where we were like carrying people. It was like yeah. bodies. Yeah. And it was the worst thing that ever happened to our family. We have gotten more out of that trip than any other vacation that was wonderful or perfect. And in a weird way, that is what our show is about. It's yeah. about celebrating the pain and just going through it and laughing about it. Because it bonds us, right? It bonds that us. bonds us. And that's how you know what your tribe is, because you went through it together. Because you experienced it together. We took, a, we took a trip out west. For some reason, we were inspired by National Lampoon's vacation to get in a car <laughs> together. We should have known better. Like, fucking We idiots. saw what happened in that yeah. damn movie. And we got in the station wagon, and we, we drove from New Orleans to the Grand Canyon, you know, and it was in this big family bonding trip. Before we even hit Texas, my dad went to the bank and got about... Uh, a huge wad of, of single dollar bills and he turned to us and he said every hour you motherfuckers can be quiet you're going to get a dollar <laughs> they would just start slapping them on the dashboard for us <laughs> they don't teach that in parenting books nope. isn't that strange they, that don't. they don't say cash to be cool that's yep. all yeah. it takes um, you also have you got a really great cast but then there's all kinds of people who guest in the show yeah. that are I would guess above budget. I mean, it seems like you've, you've drawn some people in to do this. How did that all take place? 
It's, you know, funny, but like we've been making these independent films for like 10 years and mm -hmm. we're so obsessed with actors and we're so obsessed with performance that we almost subordinate everything else in our show when you see it to getting an organic moment with actors. And actors started to take notice of that. So, you know, we have realized that despite the fact that we're kind of making stuff in a little corner of the sandbox over here, right. some bigger name actors really want to be a part of that. Yeah, isn't that the funniest thing about independent film is the people that you wouldn't have thought would have been drawn to it. Yeah. yeah. Where and now you almost need a big name to make an independent film. Yeah, you've I mean it used to be you had to raise money to make an independent film. Now you got to get a movie star to make yeah. an independent film and then the money will come unquestionably. You know, Ed Burns just wrote this book about making his film and you know the stuff that he had done and he was talking about how you know, the reason why he has so many walking shots is because it was cheaper to do in New York than to be in a restaurant or something. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff that I don't think can be taught. That can only be figured out from what you guys have done. Yeah, we always call it the Available Materials School of Filmmaking. And mm -hmm. we say, you know, rather than sit down and write a script and try to find a way to produce it, we say... Look at all of your assets in your life. Okay, you got a van, you got two apartments, your dad has a um, a weird and interesting tool shed. Great. Figure all these things out and write a movie that takes place in those things, and that way you're guaranteed to be able to make it. That is, again, I, I've never heard that concept come up before because normally they have this strong script and work yeah. on the script Fuck forever. All that. That, time, yeah. that time is dead. We grew up in the suburbs of New Orleans. We had no industry connections. We had no chance in hell of having anybody give us money to make a movie. So we just found a way to do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we try to encourage, you know. I guess, you know, our great asset was we never believed that anyone would give us a chance. We never believed that you know it would be handed to us. So we just had to make it with our own hands. The Calvary is not coming. No, they're yes. not coming. That's a Colin very Quinn good just way to said that it. to me the other day. He goes, when he figured out that the Calvary is not coming, it changed everything. It does in his life. What was the movie for you guys where you're like kids and you're looking at it and you're thinking to yourself, oh, that's something that I could do. I think the first movie that we saw. Um, that really woke us up. I mean, we were huge fans of HBO when we were watching cable in the early 80s, but uh, in, I guess 1987 when Raising Arizona came out, there was something very specific about it that Mark and I realized uh, that uh, human beings had made this movie and, and we, could, we couldn't see them, but we could tell what they were like. We knew what their sense of humor was like and we knew they had an intelligence and a certain acuity about how they see human beings and stuff. And then we started to read a little, oh, oh my God, they're brothers. It's the Coen brothers. Um, and they make stuff together. And that's when we started to wake up to like, there's an author behind a film. It's right. not just like this mechanism out in Hollywood and they put actors in the box and then it shoots a movie across a cable into our front lawn you know yeah uh, that was the real first movie that made us realize it is funny because for years of the whole time you're a kid you never think about anything other than the actors that's, no. that's exactly right and then the first time that you get that thing of how did this happen and i remember for me it was pat garrett and billy the kid because wow. i'm like this is not a, a, a western no. someone has changed yeah. what is supposed to happen in you the western you feel their hands yeah. in, on the movie yeah, yeah. yeah. so the, and, and i did the same thing i'm like who did this and There's why a point did they of do view. it yeah. yeah the coen brothers is such a great movie to to look at although it could al almost be too intimidating because i don't think there's a straight line of setup in that movie yeah. like you could look at any scene and laugh at every line yeah. of as an that individual movie. piece yeah. yeah i mean they are 
diametrically opposed to us. They are yeah. all about, you know, wonderful planning and incredibly tight scripts. Jay and I are much more about um, a more loose structure, letting our actors improvise sometimes, mm-hmm. finding it on set, you know. Um, so it's funny that they were our, our inspiration from the front. In a lot of ways, we tried to be like them for a while and, and failed miserably, mm-hmm. which is like one of those tricky things where you can you can have too much inspiration at times and borrow too much from people and we've kind of put that away and just started just kind of being ourselves and that worked better well there's some uh there's things that take place in togetherness i think particularly in the bedroom that are are downright painful that you're that you want to say look you really need a third party (laughs) and help you but it made me wonder how many people get caught up in that for the way that like we're even turned on to sex now is even more i think it's even more bizarre for young kids than if when the the way i grew up with which was ignorance you know what i mean yeah the fact that that you that people are looking at this and they're like hey handcuffs that's probably the way to go saw that in the porn (laughs) you know it's tough for people i think to find their way we have a lot of these things we have this incredible story of a friend of ours who's in his uh, mid-30s who recently became single and started dating and he's he he came to us and he was like okay guys it's real weird if you date anyone under 30 there's like a whole routine he's like first um you do oral and then she does oral, and he went through this whole thing and he's like he's like basically sex for a whole generation is now informed by porn mm-hmm. it's like because like when we were coming up it was just like you didn't know what was going to happen right. you might kid you might have sex <laughs> i don't know what's you don't know yeah. what stuff's going to look like he's like you know what everything's going to everyone under 30 is completely shaved you know what mm-hmm. i mean he's he, he, it really you know shocked him and, and it was like a bummer uh, ultimately you know you would think that like Porn, porn automated sex would be like right. a really cool thing, but he was basically just like, it's a factory. It's a factory. There's no, yeah. there's no mystery to it. And I'm sure it's not the same for other generations. It's like maybe it's a comfort. I don't know what it is, but it's like things change uh, immensely in, in the peri- in, in a ten year period, uh, and even less now because of the technology yeah. and because of the way it's it's spat out to people. But that is true that there is a by the numbers to every porn scene and you would think yeah. if anything in life would be improvised it would be porn. Right. <laughs> yeah. no but it's like it's actually all. the most scripted shit out there right yeah now. yeah um but th- th- that is the thing about like the generation gaps now i think exist within a matter of four and five years like yeah. quicker yeah. yeah if you look at uh, baby boomers it was like a 25 year base that everyone would be like yes elvis the rolling stones i got you we have all the same but now yeah. It's, you know, what I, if I have a guy on my show who's 22 and another guy who's 27, they have none of the same <laughs> reference <Yeah>. points. <laughs> totally. So, wow. you know, the guy who's 22 is looking at the guy who's 27 like he's really old yeah. and outdated. Yeah. And it's it's so bizarre. Worse than buggy. I think, wait, <laughs> I think another generation just shifted, guys. I think it <laughs> yeah. just, I, mean, I heard something. Heard that. Yeah. Something just shifted. Yeah. And no. that's the, you know, that's, well, I mean, even... Cable, like you brought up with cable, we thought that the world had changed. And now there's so many different platforms and how to get stuff out. And, you know, Woody Allen just signed that deal with Amazon. And he actually said, I have no idea how this works or what I'm supposed to do for that. It's exciting. You know, that's the weird thing. So you guys have no idea of 
of how to keep writing and directing and producing and acting because it will change. I mean, I, I'm sure. It, it yeah. will change. It continues to change. In some ways it works in, in, in people like me and Jay's favor because we, we came from nothing um, mm-hmm. and we've always known how to self-generate. Um, and I think that the future is headed towards ownership and self-starting and, and doing your own thing. You know, I mean, almost everyone we know in the independent film world is complaining about how it's just really hard to get your movies financed right now. And, mm-hmm. and while that is true, the way Jay and I feel is like, yeah, but technology is on our side and we can make things more cheaply now than ever. So we get a chance to make a ton of stuff. Um, so in many ways, you know, this sort of, this sort of big wave of... Uh, of independent filmmakers moving into television for more good content. Um, All that stuff is kind of benefiting us. Well, you know, just the cameras alone. Uh, if yeah. you go and watch like documentaries of what they had to lug around, yeah. you know, oh, when they shot Dylan, they had these giant yep. refrigerators. And now with these, like, you can see a surf documentary with like one of those little GoPros. And yeah. I'm like, this is the best thing it's great. It's I've gorgeous. ever seen in my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fantastic. You know, so that's always going to be a benefit. And I do think that there's always going to be somebody around to think, how do we monetize this? Like yeah. there's always going to be some kind of corporate structure, even if it gets to be smaller yeah. than yeah. it used to be. I think the the tough thing is to find some of these. You know, yeah. it's just yeah. like with music. Like people are like, there's still good music, but you got just find so it. much of it. You got to yeah. surf through the shit. You know, I mean, that's the great thing about places like the Sundance Film Festival is like not that they should be the ultimate curation of what is good and what is not, mm-hmm. um, but they are still in a place where you know they're like we. We still don't get enough good movies. We're still programming movies that we don't even really love because we're not getting enough good stuff. And and the great thing about technology is is that it has afforded the chance for that 15-year-old weird kid living in the suburbs of Cleveland who doesn't get along with anybody to go in his basement and make a great movie. Right. And, and that is really exciting and, to me, worth w- waiting through the shit for the opportunity to see that. And see, that's the thing that that kid could bring us that we're not going to get out of New York or L.A. because we don't know what it's like yeah, to no, grow up in that kid's don't. neighborhood. And he can tell us that story. And then we can have that thing of, well, you know what? This seems so weird, but it's not dissimilar. Yeah, to, no. to my life, you yeah, know? yeah. I mean, regional filmmaking is one of the most exciting things that's going to emerge from all this technology. I mean, anybody can make a movie right now. I think the really interesting and tricky part, and probably what's different from music, is it is extremely difficult to make a good movie. Um, you can't luck into it. It's something. So many things have to go right to make a good movie. I mean, we all know it. We walk into a multiplex. There's like you know what 15 movies there and they have millions and millions and millions of dollars behind them and maybe like two or three of them are good yeah oh that's very generous thank you <laughs> and even I, I think even more so with the comedy because you're like these seven guys are funny i've seen them all be yeah. really funny yeah. how come this isn't how working? come this isn't funny yeah. you know and you know it pretty quick you everything know, like, has to go right yeah. everything has to go right for it to work and it's it's a very difficult form um and you know the, the one thing that we've learned is everybody's always like how am i going to get somebody to see my movie how, how's this going to happen and what we've learned is 
That's not the question. The question is how you're going to make a good movie. Because if you make something good, people b- are banging down your door. Yeah. There is no doubt. Everyone yeah. we know who's made their first good thing, all of a sudden they were like, oh, I don't have to try. Everyone is calling my number right now because they want it. It's true. People are way more obsessed with marketing their mediocre stuff uh, mm-hmm. than, than they should be. They should be much more obsessed with putting that away and trying to make something great. Well, the interesting thing, too, is if you look at togetherness, we never would have gotten this on TV 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I mean, these kind of things just didn't exist, maybe in an independent theater, yeah. you know, but to be able to follow these characters, because like I said, they start really fucked up. But who knows where they're going to go? And that doesn't always, you can't always tell that story in an hour and a half. No, because it's really hard to get amazing, smashing ratings for the pilot of a story about four fucked up people. And that is what is required for your movie to work on network television. Uh, Togetherness airs Sundays at 9.30 on HBO. Go to HBO.com for more information. Thanks so much for coming in, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. I'll see you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy Hit Channel 99. Around a Fed show. This is our first day back. First show of the new year. Crazy long vacation. And we find ourselves with uh, big championship playoff games coming up. Both games are seven. Is that the line? Uh, yes. Yes, both are now at seven. I'll, I'll check. A, I'll, I'll double check, but as yesterday it was seven. Check and then double check it. Double it again. And put it in half. Right, and tell me what you come up with. I'm seeing Patriots now minus six and a half. All right, drop in. And Seahawks at minus seven. Also dropped. That was seven and a half. Yeah. That cult money is coming in. Mm-hmm. Why well, I called the cults are going to take it home. Big John Fox uh, left Denver. They're not calling it a firing. Just two guys that wanted to leave each other. I don't know where they think they're going to get another guy like John Fox. This is what happens when you're kind of spoiled of doing well but not winning. You're just like, I don't want to keep winning 10, 12 games a year. It's driving me nuts. He won with Tebow. He got to the playoffs with Tebow, John Fox. 
He he beat Pittsburgh with Tebow in the playoffs, yeah. which was one of the more exciting playoff games of all time. But John Elway, champion that he was the last two years of his long career, um, he wants more. This is John Elway at the John Fox um, press conference. And listen to who John Elway thanks here. I'd like to start out this uh, press conference with uh, a thank you to John Elway, or John, John Fox. I'd uh, also like to thank Mr. Ron Bennington for everything he's done. I want to thank John Elway for being the only son of a bitch who brought any trophies back to this backwater burg. Dick. This fucking weed capital that you people call Denver. Sounds like someone's fucking eating some brownies. I know these are the high planes, because all you son of a bitches are high, and your women is plain. Um, I don't know who they think they're going to get. It's tough to have a... Uh, it's Slim Pickens out there right now. Who's they going to get? Gruden to come back? No. Seven years. He's locked up with ESPN called Monday Night Football. You're the only person who thinks Gruden can coach anyway. Love him. I love him in the booth. And I think he can come back and be very successful as a coach. We know that you love him because you bring him up, but he wasn't very successful as a head coach while he coached. He had one season where he used somebody else's team, played against a team that he had coached before, and won a Super Bowl. Other than that, I believe he's under 500. Lifetime. He's got good timing. So maybe he's just laying in wait for that right moment. Seven years? That isn't laying in wait. That's a guy who never wants to go back again. Why don't you ask for John Facenda to coach a team? Yeah, they say, they're saying John Fox going to uh, the Bears now. The Bears. Yeah, Bears are going to get them some John Fox love. Just make Peyton the player coach. I don't think I know you haven't watched this year. You're not real familiar with Peyton anymore. I don't think Peyton's heart is in it anymore. He's all fucked up, man. He's all just just he's trashed. He's, he's his age. Is what he is. He doesn't want to get hit anymore. He's just beat down. He just lost. God knows how he feels right now. Losing the luck. And Elway also said yesterday, "Look, we're not going to do. We, we, I need Peyton here for the coach search. So that's just his way of just trying to drag Peyton back into this thing. Even though Peyton but most look, likely does. If it. you were a new coach, would you want the old quarterback, or would you want to reboot your style? Because it doesn't exactly work. The quarterback that's hung around for a long time." Oh, everybody's gone but that quarterback. Yeah, they're going to lose a bunch of people, too. Their defense was all bought during the offseason. They're not going to be able to afford to keep them. They got that short window, and that window slammed. Yeah. Look, that window slammed uh, last year. That was their year to win it all. It slammed. They with- were supposed to win, and Peyton was supposed to be carried off out of the field and into the Hall of Fame, where he would have been dipped in bronze and left there as a living statue. <laughs> But it ain't happening. But Fez, I know you haven't watched football this year. No. You never saw Peyton like after that thing. It was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just not good at football and stuff. <laughs> it's just not anything I wanted to do. You see, my dad pushed me into it. Me and my brother. And your brother of mine has got two rings. He does. He is the... Oh, and that'll be the end of the Manning rings. Neither one of them's getting another one. 
I don't know. Every four years, Eli's put it together for. So this this is next season will be his technically last season to get a ring. His He's last. won two Super Bowls, and I bet if you went outside of the New York, New Jersey area and said, "Who's the the quarterback for the New York Giants?" You probably would get forty to fifty percent of the people who would know fans who would know who's the quarterback. Most would probably either say Phil Sims or Y. A. Tittle. Bullshit. People know who Eli is. <laughs> I'm telling you, they don't. He is not a guy that people talk about. No one brings him up until you get to that. Well, what about Eli? Part of the conversation. But he never leads sports news. No one's talking about him or his nondescript coach. Uh, I think uh, Nate Silver's website put together like, who's the clutchest quarterback in history uh, in the playoffs. And it, it came out to Eli. The way they figured it out was what quarterback won who had the, the lowest statistical chance of actually winning when they were, of, depending on where they were when the playoffs began. Well, yeah, that's true. Both years they did. They both years they run it nine and seven. You know what I mean? Like they were way in the back. They there was a kick both years that they won. And it was te- yeah, the, uh, the Nate Silver thing figured out they had one percent chance if you just looked at it from the beginning of them actually going to win the Super. But see, this is the the problems that I have with the Nate Silver thing. At the end of the season, they were no longer the team that they were at the beginning of the season. Yeah, they were, they were on that run. Yeah, that and end. that's what happens. Like there was a certain time this season. That if we it suddenly was the playoffs and Super Bowl, the Packers would have romped. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now that we're around to that point, they're not in in any position to do that. You know, they're hurt, they're banged up. Yeah. Th- those teams just happened to put it together when it was time to put it together. Yeah, the three quarters of the season, the Cardinals, even with that bat, this their first backup quarterback. Their defense was was not enough to just keep them in games until they fucking hit the Panthers and they're the third string fucking quarterback. They're like eleven and two during the regular season. Yeah, you're right. The Cardinals would have won it all if we would have played after four weeks. What if they? All right. So what if Peyton stays with the Broncos? What if he only plays like two thirds? Like they bring him in two thirds of the season in, where he they just give him the first whatever four games off. That would be the first. That'd be three quarters of the season. Well, why don't you check with Mister Nate? Silver and see has anyone ever done that before? Because we're at the point where you got to figure we need and you can't keep quarterbacks healthy. So do we do the thing of treating the quarterbacks like we do the defensive linemen, where you bring in a guy for third downs? Because that hasn't worked anywhere yet. Now your idea of sitting the quarterback who played the first half of the season, hoping that another quarterback will catch fire late in the season. I mean, normally you're going to put that guy in if your team has fallen apart. But how do you, let's suppose that other guy is winning. You're going to pull him and put a rusty 38-year-old man in that position? It seems like the... The kind of an idea a drunk would come up with. I'm not against trying it, Nate. I get it. You you picked the election last year. Look, I'm just throwing stuff against the wall. I, I feel... It isn't stuff you're throwing. It's shit. Remember what that theory is to begin with. You're throwing shit against the wall. I don't believe that theory is totally shit. But it goes Here's the-, the difference between you. Fez brings me facts, yeah. and you bring me fallacy. You just come in here with insane ideas. It's a theory. 
So you get you got Peyton. He doesn't play the first four games. They put this other kid, Brockweiler, whatever his name is. I can't remember the damn guys, the backup. Well, let's just say Brockweiler. Brockweiler. They seem to like him. I was reading today, like, oh, they're high on him in the future, for the future of the organization. So, hey, Peyton, come back. You refine the first fucking 12 games of the season. So take the first month off. But what makes you think your theory works? Because uh, I think I I think my theory works because he has you put less miles on him. So and you, what happens if that team goes zero and two? Do you leave Peyton there for another two two weeks? And what makes you think Peyton can start again at that point? If you got a guy who does have a hot hand, why would you ever pull your hot quarterback? Let's suppose this guy goes four and zero. We're gonna pull him and put in Peyton. I would. Oh, your alcohol brain is no. just soaked with alcohol. No, no, you, you, you keep Peyton. He's practicing all week. You know, he's practicing for that first month, right? You keep him fucking in shape. But then, when the when everything comes down, when that first 4-0, and when they, or I say they go 4-0, pull that kid, put Peyton in. Because I don't care how fucking hot the kid is, it's Peyton Manning. Would you consider doing it the other way? Like, almost like the Cardinals did. You put Peyton in the first part of the season... Ramp up some wins so that you're kind of coasting into the playoffs, and then just give them a rest and put them back in if you need them at the end of the season. How did you see that the Cardinals did that this year? Well, that's what happened. I mean, they had, if they were going on that third string quarterback, from what I keep hearing, they wouldn't have won at all. So, but they had enough wins to get into the playoffs. No, that's crazy. No, that kid threw for like 84 fucking yards in the playoff game. I don't know why he would want to set up that proposition. This is insane. No, the, the Cardinals show us that that's exactly the way not to do it. You fucking save the stud for later in the season. How do you know he's going to be a stud? What makes you sure he doesn't age up and get rusty? That's the thing that you're not playing into this. They're... First of all, there's guys that are smarter than you thinking about football 24 hours a day. And I'm very serious about that. These guys just sit and think and look at film and think. And none of them have ever thought that this reliever thing that you come up with could work. Yet, I'm going to meet you halfway and say... What we have now doesn't fucking work anymore. We can't keep our stars healthy. I mean, this thing with Aaron Rodgers and his calf, this sucks. You want to beat Aaron Rodgers. We want to all see Aaron Rodgers. (coughs) And if he goes in and gets his ass beat in Seattle, so be it. But that's the game we want to see. We want to see healthy ballplayers. Yeah, we'll we'll know that. They weren't playing Aaron Rodgers at his best. The guy that can scramble and run for yards and get out of the pocket and fucking just throw ridiculous passes. That's going to happen. And it's probably what's it's what's going to happen is Seattle's going to fucking get him. I mean, it's just going to happen. They're too fucking good on defense. <coughs> so you're picking another 20 fucking uh, point win. Yeah. Yeah. Are you betting this week? Yeah, I am. After that last week, I gotta, I gotta fucking make it better, you know. You gotta make it rain, motherfucker. That's right. That's right. Make that cash come. Uh, speaking of rain, Wayne uh, Wilson and the uh, tickets are going very fast. Make sure you head on over to the Interbank and sign up for Unmask with Rain Wilson next week. Um, Backstrom is the name of his 
new TV show, but you're probably familiar with him from his show called The Office. He was Dwight. And uh, that's one week from today, January 21st at 1 p.m. right here at the SiriusXM studios. Chris, could you go over and check that to see if I'm charging properly? Either the cold got to me or we have something wrong with our fucking setup thing. But it's driving me mad. Um, Tom, in New York, you're on the Run of Fez show. Ronnie, why don't we teach Peyton to kick field goals and turn him into the next George Blander? I'm going to ask you this. How many Super Bowls did George Blanda win? Uh, None. That's the problem with this system that we have here. If you take the whole Super Bowl scenario out of this, is... Now, what's going on there, Chris? Was it charging? Is it something wrong with the charger or the thing? Or? There was something wrong with that, that that second piece of the charger. I'm going to plug it into this computer it'll charge. Now, do you realize that I've been charging that thing all fucking day long? And by me, I mean one of my producers popped that in for me. I thought maybe the cold got to it. But I'll go back and make this point. Peyton Manning has been the most successful during the season quarterback probably of all time. He's gets to the playoffs. He gets the yards that the lit up guys that like Chris Stanley like to say. He pulls it up. But when the pressure is on, when the champions rise, he fails. So that makes you look at him and say, is he a success or a failure with his career? At this point in his career, I'm going to say he's a failure with that playoff record. I know he's got the ring, but just all those all those, all those, those playoff losses it's, looks really bad. It would not be crazy to think that Peyton Manning could have won six Super Bowls by now. There's probably enough years where you look at it and you thought... The Colts are the team to beat this year, and then they were. were. The Broncos were the team to beat last year, and they were. The Broncos were the team to beat the year before that, and they were beaten. It's a very difficult thing when we look at this. There's no way to look at the career and life of Peyton Manning and not see his success until you start to count up those Super Bowl rings. And then whether you like it or not, He's a disappointment. He has failed much more than he succeeded. And the, the Super Bowl he got to, the other Super Bowl he got to, and when he threw a pick to end it. I mean, yeah. he was on a fucking drive to win the game, and he throws a pick. Like the, what are you excited about? Even the game that he won, it was in the rain, and it was shitty, and I think he only, I don't even know if he threw for 200 yards that day. Remember, it was a, yeah. a lousy rain felt. The best thing about that game was Prince playing at halftime, <laughs> Purple Rain, in the fucking rain. Peyton Manning. Is he a super- choker? Yeah, he's a choker. Is he a fucking choker? He's a yeah. choker. What else, what else, could, what else could fucking offset Bad all luck? the... He's a choker. It ain't bad luck. It's just, oh, look at all the wins in the regular season. He's the master of the regular season in the NFL, Peyton Manning. Which goes to show you that the regular season really doesn't matter. When someone tells you someone threw for 5,000 yards or fucking 51 um, touchdowns, you should say, shut the fuck up. Who cares? 
Let's win the championship. Because John Fox has a fantastic during the season record, and they fired him. He's gone. All of his assistants done. Because they didn't win a fucking Super Bowl. But is there ever more of a sport that the championship was more important than... You know what I mean? Like, you can look at a great baseball player, Hank Aaron. And Fez, if I said to you, Hank Aaron, how many World Series has he won? I'm... None. Well, you don't... But why? Are you just guessing none? Yeah. See, here's what I'm trying to say. We don't rank baseball players by their championships. We don't sit around. If we're going to talk about Sandy Koufax, we're not going to measure him. But there's such a precise way of measuring. Look at Nolan Ryan. He, right. never, he never fucking won the series. Right. But he's the fucking strikeout king, and it's it's Nolan Ryan... No one will ever he say gets no one nothing Ryan's. but respect. Yeah, no, no one, one ever is... says. And by the way, his his playoff fucking thing kind of sucked too. But no one ever fucking holds him back on this. With the quarterbacks, look. If if it wasn't for the playoffs, would we ever call Joe Namath uh, a great quarterback? No, he won a game he wasn't supposed to win. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It won. All he had to win was one. He guaranteed any guy. So, Joe Namath in history forever. Forever and ever. Going by this, I would label Brett Favre a failure then because he only won one Super Bowl and he had a lot of stats, but he also had like most interceptions career, most incompletions. Brett Favre wasn't kept around by the Packers for that very reason because he didn't win them Super Bowls. Yeah. And they thought they had a guy who could. I really wish and who knows, maybe this year he'll have doubled Brett Favre's Super Bowl thing. But yeah, to go back to answer this, because you're younger than us, and you might have at different times have thought to yourself that Brett Favre is the greatest of all time. He's never going to be come up in that conversation as the greatest of all time. He's now known more for the dick pic. But... There's still a guy in New England if he wins this one. Who knows? Are you saying Nolan Ryan never won a series anywhere? No. You better look that up. I'm looking it up right now. I'm going to double check it. But I always remember thinking, how how the hell can Ryan never won the series? Oh, wait. I think he won 69 with the Mets? That's right. All right. Severus team. Eleven times strikeout champion. That's insane. And we'll walk champion. He's the walk a lot of fucking guys too. Yeah. Because he would con- he just constantly wanted to go for that strikeout, so he just fucking pitched more, so he'd fucking walk him. Sad, isn't it? And I'm sure um, Aaron has won, despite Fez's guess. I think he won in the 50s, if I had to guess. 1957. With the Atlanta Braves. Um, Dave, Dave, you're on the Run Fez show. Ronnie B, I don't disagree with you very often, but I got to throw out a couple names like Mark Rippon and Doug Williams, Brad Johnson. They won championships, but 
We don't look at them like big quarterbacks. Well, that's what we're saying. Uh, I'm saying it's not that, but to look, he's at the he's in the one percent, but is he one percent of the one percent? No. Would anyone sit around and say that Peyton is a better quarterback than Joe Montana, even though his numbers are fucking better? Hell no. And yet, could you have people say, was he uh, was he one of the best, even of guys who didn't? I don't know if you could sit here and say, Dan Marino, Peyton, you could have that fucking argument for a while. You're not going to have a fucking Dan, Dan Marino, Joe Montana argument. Because it's four to fucking nothing. That's the problem with this game. This goddamn Super Bowl hangs over all their heads. Um, we had a piece up of Lock Yourself In Weekend, I think, on Sam Peckinpah. Yeah. Let's go through some of these movies. Ride the High Country. Good movie. Major Dundee. Don't know if I've even seen that. I haven't seen it. The Wild Bunch. Love. Amazing. Uh, the Ballad of a Cable Hogue. Don't think I've seen it. Straw Dogs. Crazy. It's insane fucking movie. Awesome. Insane fucking the movie. The original by Peckinpah. Yeah. The original. This is up on the iBang right now. These are, if you're wondering how to go back, and you're like, where did the real ultraviolet films come from? For me, this was the guy. To me, I think he was the first that they would call the blood ballet, where it would be a slow motion. Yeah, he did it just start the slow motion stuff, or did it with violence? Blood, the blood was just come squirting awesome. out. And this is old school, like where they had like the squibs, where the fucking blood would pop. Now this everything CGI now. Gun gunfire and the blood's all CGI. Now. I don't like that. It's ter- it's terrible. It takes me out of it. I like a squib. The squib's the best. Uh, Junior Bonner. I fucking love this movie. Never seen it. Uh, Junior Bonner, it's not a violent film. It's Steve McQueen, and he's kind of an aging rodeo cowboy. And it's really a great film. I saw it when I was a kid, and I'm always looking for it uh, again whenever it's on TV. It's just at a really fucking cool pace. It feels exactly like even before... It's almost like an independent cowboy movie. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it's real fucking cool, Chris. Steve McQueen, Peckinpah, you can't go wrong. The Getaway? Who doesn't love The Getaway? Love it. Pat Garrett Garrett and Billy the Kid? I just brought that up today. It's one of my favorite films of all time. This was the film that I remember seeing as a kid and going, I don't understand how this could happen. I don't know how this could have went so bad. (laughs) You made us love these guys... And this is the way they end up acting? Mm-hmm. And Bob Dylan's in it. Yeah. And the film Knocking on Heaven's Door. Then this film. Do you see any of these, Fez? I have not seen any of these. You watching football this year? No. What do you do? How do you spend your time? You're not dating. No. Just sitting quietly. Does that help you? It hasn't. How about educating yourself culturally? You know, we put all these things out there. How come you never give it a try? Um, I just never think to. But you hear us talk about it on the air, right? And you're like, oh man, these guys are talking about Peckinpah films. How come you never try one? 
You can think of it now. Or just say, I wouldn't fucking waste my time watching these shitty movies. And then that would be fine. If you just want to go like this, Ron, shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear your dumb shit. Oh, this movie and that book. and It's bullshit. What you do is stupid. You rattle on a brown bands. Why don't you shut the fuck up for five minutes? Then drop an M-bomb. Yeah, call me that. <laughs> call me something racial. I fucking deserve it. Right, where were we? Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid? Yeah. I'll just say this. If you watch this movie and you think to yourself, I hope Billy the Kid gets away. Just keep hoping. Yeah, there's something wrong with that. Pray for a gunsling in heaven. I know I do. What else you got? Uh, bring me the head Convoy. of boy. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. Have you seen this? I never saw it. It's a beloved film. Tom Rhodes came in and fucking just ran it down like there's no tomorrow. I remember that. Tom Rhodes is like, look at me. I fucking travel all over. You think I'm going to watch a movie of this? Look at the size of my fucking passport. I know. He's showing it off. I never saw anyone do that before in their life. Like, look, look, look how thick it is. Yeah. Like, put it's your, the biggest one they'll give you. Put your passport back in your fucking pants, Tom. We haven't talked to him forever. Where is he playing? Japip? Is he doing a fucking gig on Pluto? I don't know where he is right now. I'm going to check in with him. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia, one of the better titles of all time. It's a great fucking title. Really badass. Do you ever see that, Fez? No. I don't want to fucking see this film. The title's too long. It's a stupid name. Fez, you're fine to say that. Go ahead and say it. The title is too long. You're just saying that because I said, I mean, and be yourself. You don't want to see these films, right? No, I don't have any interest. At, uh, I mean, the Pat Garrett one sounded interesting. Oh, God. What else you got? I prefer Young Guns if you want to hear the story of Billy the Kid. <laughs> Billy the Kid who gets away. Yeah. And finally, Cross of Iron. I don't know that film either. I'm glad that you said finally. What was the final... I might stay in all weekend and watch these and just fucking blow up some football games. I mean, you can, you can mix and match. I don't want to mix and match. You're, I like to get in one rut and stay there. No, watch it until Ruh football. Watch it until football, then you got a nice fucking Sunday. Yeah, and I'll be going, did Chris leave yet? Time Lose yet? Time for me to start laughing. Is that really what you think? That makes me feel even worse. Alright, see what I'm doing an impression of. If you guys can guess, the first person who gets guesses is going to get a nickel. Alright, right. ready? I want this nickel. That Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid sounded kind of interesting. Could I have that on my menu? Can I guess? No. No one fucking rang in, so there are no winners. I, th I did that. I thought this was like a ring. That's not a ring. It's like ding, 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 ding. Well, I'm sorry. There's no winners. You didn't ring in time. Now I'm going to go drink myself into a stupor then, right after I load this stuff. Rut row! Um, let's see what Adam wrote here. There's a lot of people... Now this just... Um, let's say... Uh, just listening, catching up on the replays... And can we get a show, a best of show, uh, all about Pepper failing? 
It says he's comically bad at gambling. <laughs> Screw you. If losing bets equal funny, he's Louis C.K. I'm only on Monday's show, and he just said he's going for Oregon. Oh, I hope, I hope, I hope. That's the way to listen to us pick fucking games in the past. You remember who I picked, Chris? Ohio State. You know what I based that on? What? Watching the games the week before. There was no way Oregon was going to beat that team. I just had faith in that that Oregon running gun. Everybody brings up speed until you come up against athletes. And then they knock the shit out of you. Yeah, the athletes are just as fast, but they're in the, but they're but also they're stronger. stronger. <laughs> when a fucking quarterback runs over your nose guard on a fucking fourth down, oh god, kill yourself. That GIF will haunt. Now there's some uh, some people are saying the Hawaiian might stay in school another year. Oh come, come on, man, just end up as a fucking uh, backup. Let him as a backup quarterback right in the NFL. Makes a little bit of cash for himself. Then get killed. Going by you, he could play the first four weeks and then sit out the rest of the season. That's what I'm saying. What makes you think that guy's going to win? Why would you ever not put in your best player? Because, Every game must be won. Because, because at this point, right, so look, let's look at the last two seasons with, with Peyton. As he, he's 36, 37 years old. Now he's 38. He came in. He came in hot both seasons with the regular off season. So give him an extra month of off season. I'm gonna surmise he'll come in hot. With that extra month of staying in practice. Name a coach who's ever said surmise. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I surmise something here. So they have to deal for a quarterback that can manage the game for those first four games. So you have... <laughs> if you have that guy and he manages and he gets you to 4-0, why would you pull him out? You'd be insane. Now you're saying you have a starting quarterback. No, your life is you have two great NFL quarterbacks. Yeah. Because you don't want to start 2-2, two and two, or why not have the guy burn the fuck out a little bit? No, see, You're not making sense, Chris. I'm making sense. You don't want anyone to burn out. You want to have the most healthy individuals on your goddamn roster as possible. Rust never sleeps, my friend. If fucking Neil Young taught us anything, it's that. Oh, and he taught us something else. What? Oh, man, lying by the side of the road and laid out in his eyes. Old man's be spending that Papa John's money fresher than he thought he would. What are you talking about? Peyton, he's the old man. Oh, God. Was, I didn't know where you were going. Was that a leap? No, first, I couldn't tell through all the spittle oh. what you were talking about. That's what I meant. I had to try to get my ass moved over to Insight. Seems like that's where all the fucking buzz is right now. That's where the smart talk is. Fuel Sang's on there right now. It's probably talking to Chuck. Hi, I'm done with them other two assholes talking shit about Peyton. I don't know. If you had to pick the Super Bowl winner right now, who would you pick? South Seahawks, repeat. It would be exciting. I think it would also be exciting to see the Patriots win. You know, I'm going to give you a quick thing before we get out of here. So, Brady is not taking top dollar. You know about that, right? Yeah, I know, yeah. He restructured his contract. He restructured his contract. Look over here when we're doing the show. He restructured his contract over here. 
He restructured his contract, so he's not the highest paid guy. And you know why he does that? Because his wife is rich. And everyone says, this is wonderful, what he does. It shows how much he cares about his team. I'm going to give you another way of looking at this. It's fucking cheating. You're not taking the money because you don't need to. Then why do we have this thing set up? This defeats the spirit in which the cap went. The reason we have caps is that you pay guys like Brady. See, this is just more... Peyton Manning takes every fucking penny that's laying on the fucking floor. This is why the Patriots are great. They're just full with trickery and weirdness. It is trickery. And I go through even more. It's fucking cheating, and it surprises me that the sports announcers see this as something great. Because guess what? It doesn't hurt him to do this. He's not taking one for the team because his wife puts on a bikini and gets $80 million a year. I'm sure Belichick was the one who fucking made him realize it. Hey. Oh, you know he did. He probably said it to him when Brady was napping. He fucking got into his head like a goddamn uh, hypnotist mosquito and got him to do this shit. And Brady wakes up. I got an idea. Jenny makes so much money that I don't need any money myself. My head's so large. What the fuck is this? One dead 84 treated in D.C. subway incident. There was, uh, as, unless this is something new, there was a bunch of smoke on a sub, a bunch of smoke happened in a, uh, in a D.C. subway car and one person died of like, inflation, inhalation and then, uh, they, when did this happen? Yesterday. Uh, wasn't this a blacklist fucking? Was it? Yeah. This was a blacklist thing from the first season. Oh, Jesus. By the way, I just want to show you what I'm dealing with. Fez, when you're ready to come back so I don't have to hear shit, fucking this is what Pepper said to me. A bunch of smoke happened today. And then you're hunched over and just letting it go. You look like a fucking umpire over there. You're hunched over so much. I'm behind Pepper. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, a bunch of smoke happened today. There was a fire. We got to go. We'll be back in here tomorrow. Uh, Rain Wilson, your opportunity to go to Unmass and hang out with us with Rain Wilson. Uh, go to interabang.com. A lot of great stuff up on there today. Kitties or titties. The naked Miley Cyrus picks. Oh, yeah. Uh, a guy clotheslining himself with his own hockey stick. Lock yourself in weekend. Lock yourself and weekend with Sam Peckinpah. You know what Fez's favorite was. And uh, that's it. We'll see you guys back in here tomorrow. And that's the end of my show. Donk. Satellites gone way up to Mars. Soon it'll be filled with park and cars. Thanks to the Ron and Fez show.
It's now over. But don't worry, you can listen again and again on Sirius XM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand. Listen to Ron and Fez whenever you want. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand. This show was brought to you by Afro and Friends.